This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. It's the Final Furlong Podcast on the eve of one of the biggest national art festivals of the entire season, to wrap the season for that matter, and every single race is live on AtTheRaces.com and all the information that you need is available on AtTheRaces.com as well. It's the Punchestown Festival. And to preview it, I'm joined by one of the best Irish pundits from Out the Races, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. And it's the long-awaited return of Mr. Tony Keenan. Hello. Reunited, and it feels so good, Tony, since the Cheltenham preview night. It's going to be an epic week, uh, Punchestown. There are very few odds-on favourites, a few here and there, but the championship races look strong, and they mainly look strong because, Kevin Blake, of this fascinating subplot to Punchestown Elliot V. Mullins, 11-time champion trainer Mullins versus a man who is looking for his debut title. Yeah, and it looks, uh, it's about a 520,000 gap between them at the minute. We've been saying all season that that Elliot would need half a million in hand to give himself a real chance. Uh, And it's all set up lovely now. It's set up lovely. It's going to be the real narrative that we all focus on all week. And it's going to be fabulous to watch it pan out. Last season was just enthralling. Uh, to take it in all week. And I think it, it it could be even better this year because I think, you know, Elliot was keeping his cards as close to his chest as he could last season. Mullins was, was saying very little as Mullins often does in these situations. But this season, you know, Gordon, in the aftermath of of, of last year's Punchestown, Gordon made it clear just how absolutely shattered he was to, oh. to lose in that style. And all season long, he's been making mention of it. You know, he said he gave... He, tur- he turned the lorries back from Cheltenham and, and not have any runners there if he could get the Irish Trainers' Championship. He said he'd give back the entry Grand National to to win the Irish Trainers' Championship. So it, it, he's making no secret of how much it means to him. And with Willie, he mightn't say it, but you know it matters. So this should just be a fabulous week. Well, it must matter, Tony, because Willie Mullins is firing everything that he has at Punchestown. Why does it matter to Willie, do you think, lads? Um, like, I find this a little bit of a strange one. When you've won so many on the bounce, and he, he, he had a few before that, what is he at? Is he 11-time champion three? 11 times, like yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit curious why he's so interested or so competitive about winning it again. Like, I, I was chatting to, this about, to someone about this today, the Irish Grand National. I think Bells Hill is, is an interesting horse in this whole shake-up. Um, he could have ran in, in the entry Grand National um, much better in than he was in the Fairy House race. Now, mm. perhaps he, would, he wouldn't have stayed in the entry. Maybe the way he finished out the race at Fairy House said that he, for the four, over the four miles wasn't going to be for him. But um, I just thought even the decision to run him in 
fairy house said a lot about how competitive Mullins is on this, which doesn't make a, a huge amount of sense. But people are telling me, uh, the, the feedback seems to be that it's less a thing about beating Gordon Elliott as it is a thing about maybe beating Gigginstown. But um, I don't know. But what do you think? Why, why, why so- is he so good? So is is that the, the the feeling then? That's not so much that because obviously you can look at England and you can look at at the UK and that famous quote which Kevin Blake, I believe, quoted not so long ago on the podcast. Well, what's the horse that is going to have uh, Willie Mullins the equivalent of? Well, that's blown Nicky out of the water uh, when when Paul won the the Grand National to to stop Nicky Henderson's charge. Obviously, things have gone very differently since then. But is it about? does it cut as deep as, as the Gigginstown split for you, Kevin? Or is it about the fact that, well, you're champion trainer, so you want to retain that title because you're competitive and you've worked so hard to be in this position, so the last thing you want to do is lose it? Oh, I'd say the Gigginstown thing is definitely a thing. I'd say that's definitely a factor. And as well as that, you know, Willie spent an awful long time um, finishing second to no need. Yeah. And you can imagine that uh, as he... You know that that would have really fired. You know, put a focus on him for him on the championship, and he finished second in it enough to to value winning it. And I know he's won it plenty of times in the last decade, but I, I think now that he's got someone up at his quarters, I think it's really fired. Uh, you know, th- these guys are all competitive. You don't get to the top of your game without being a, a fierce competitor, even in you know very much a non physical uh, pursuit like like training racehorses. But you know, I, I think it does matter. Um, it, like like Tony says, it's 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 slightly you know slightly odd that it does matter so much, but you can't knock him either. You know this this guy's been at the top of the game for for a decade, and he wants to a, stay there. Yeah. And he's. He... I just give a comparison, Kevin. Like, um, say a jockey like Ryan Moore, he is no interest in being champion jockey. Um, he wants to ride good horses in good races all around the world. Um, now. Willie obviously only has good races in three countries, basically the UK, Ireland, France. Um, well, there is that race in Japan that he won. Hold on a second. And the Melbourne Cup, you know, I, yeah. I, I know that. I'm just talking the, the, the broad. Yeah, yeah. Three countries going to be targeting races and, and sort of two mainish ones. Um, yeah, it does. It, it just it's it's a little bit of a strange one. I I don't I, I don't I, I understand 100% why Gordon Elliott wants to win it. A first one to win it and. The manner in which he lost last year, and yeah. you know the, all that kind of stuff. But Willie, just let, just less so. Well, what about this, Tony? So William Mullins has come up second best Gordon Elliott in the Irish Grand National, second best to him at the Cheltenham Festival for Champion Trainer, second best to him agonisingly in the Entry Grand National. If he was to be second in the Championship race as well, in the Trainer's title, would that just really get to him? I'm sure. I'm sure it would get them, but you're lucky to come back again next year. Hopefully, they're going to knock the knock lumps out of each other for years to come. Um, look, I, I have mixed feelings on on this the competitiveness and other ways of the thing. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I, I don't have a. I can see both sides, but I, but I do think for this week, I, I'm definitely going to park it because um, Jesus, this is going to be some clash. Um, and for punt, for punters, it looks a right job. Like you're even looking now at Tuesday's declarations. Um, the race is very competitive. There's, there's going to be each way betting in all these great races, 8, 9, 10, 12 runners. Um, the best of good horses. You can have strong opinion on this horse, strong opinion on that horse. So um, 
I think it was Brian O'Connor was comparing the rivalry between the pair boys, the Federer and Nadal type stuff. And yeah, there definitely is a is, is a little is a little bit of that in it. The fact that there is this rivalry, well, this competitiveness, let's phrase it that way instead, Kevin, as Tony Keenan has has alluded to, has resulted in all-star fields essentially for the Punchestown Festival and it could even result in Sam Crow lining up in the Punchestown Champion Hurdle and that may very well be a case of that he has to line up there because if Gordon is still in contention they're going to need that first place prize money and to stop Willie from winning it that that we may very well see Sam Crow deployed there so this whole battle between these two men these powerhouses of Irish racing who have this consolidation of seriously talented racehorses results in a culmination of a fantastic and epic Punchestown Festival, which can only be great for us as racing fans. Well, look, the key, and just just to hammer this down and get into specifics here, you know, there there's three million up for play here, right? And the way HRI have actually put up a very good. Um, spreadsheet I suppose we'll call it with all the races listed out and how much they're worth and it's important to note that the, there's grade ones and there's grade ones mm. because the majority of the grade ones are, have a race value of 100,000 but there's four of them with a race value of 275,000 the champion chase the gold cup the Sayers hurdle and the champion hurdle and when you look at the makeup of those races Willie Mullins dominates them all Basically, he, there's only one in which he doesn't have the favourite. That's the Gold Cup with, with Road to Respect being in the fav there. But Willie has the second, third and fourth favourites mm. in that race. And he just dominates the rest of them. Um, and look, you, it doesn't, you don't need to be a rocket scientist. If, if Willie gets a 1-2-3 in the champion chase, which he easily could, that's worth, that's, that's a quarter of a million straight away. One race, quarter of a million, bang. He gets a one-two and another one of them. You know, you don't need to. You don't need to be a mathematician to add up that if he can dominate those races alone, um, that that might be enough. You know, as well as picking up bits and pieces elsewhere. Because while Gordon has a couple of big players, I think he'll, he'll probably have three favourites. I think in Grade Ones, in assuming certain, and this is all in the assumption Sam Crow goes novice, which he may not. If, if Sam Crow goes for one of the novice races, he'll be fab. Apple Shade and Farkla. They'd all be fav for their respective grade ones, but they're all 100,000 races, 60,000 to the winner. And even if all three of them win, that's 180,000. You know, that, that's not even putting a dint in what Willie might make in one of those big, one of those big grade ones. Yeah. So it, that th- those four races are really, really key, and I can see why. And I don't know if there's if his connections have made any great reference to Sam Crow going for the champion hurdle, but that would be the reason why he might go there. Um, because I believe you had an interest in debate, and I obviously haven't heard it yet. I believe you had an interest in um, debate in that other podcast you do. Dun, what dun, podcast dun, would that be, Kevin Blake? <laughs> uh, some betting podcast oh, about. Uh, sorry, what, what's it called? <laughs> that, what's it called? That if um, that if Sam Crow went for the champion hurdle, who'd go off fav? And I think it's like while I wouldn't necessarily agree with it, he probably would go off fav in the champion hurdle. Uh. He is he is as certainly the ball favourite in the champion order if he runs and I think whatever about thinking he's gonna win it or, or otherwise, I, he is an absolute stonewall to go off the favourite, I would yeah. say. Um, just with the hype that attends him, um I will John, I was just tweeting Johnny about that. Don Gwib went off five to two favourite for this um the year that he was beaten in the Supreme and came yeah. back to the champion order. And both Hurricane Flay and Solwit 
we're, and Punjabi and Valor the Vedette were all in that race. Um, and Sample to me is a far um, sexier profile than that. I, I couldn't see any circumstance where he wouldn't go off favour ahead of um, Mellon uh, in a champion order. There's a couple of interesting horses here that aren't, um, I suppose, that are worth talking about. Like, Great Field is an interesting horse because he, he's now not running. Um, yeah, Bez goes to uh, Sandown instead. No, I think he's out. I think he's out for the season. Now. Oh no! Yeah, I, okay, think well. he had, I think he had a little setback there. He had mentioned that he could go to Sandown, but I, I think Frank Berry said today that he's had a little setback. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, that's a bit. That's a bit of hard luck. So no point talking with him then. But the other interesting one is um, Identity Thief. Um, I'm a little bit surprised now that he's backing up from entry um, a bit. Um, it's fairly soon. You now maybe people say, "Oh, he's an older horse, and he, he only came back there in the Irish Champion Hurdle." And um, so, look, if you're not going to be minding him at this stage, so, so just run him. But I, I tell you, I say Gordon was delighted when, when, when he saw Identity Thief was running in, in the Stairs Hurdle because Willie just looked to have a bit of short and Corleys with um, Penn Hill Bicardies and um, yeah. So he, he, he's the, he's delighted with that. I'd say. Well, I wonder how much oh, of that is is Gigginstown. Trying to. O'Leary was interviewed straight after. He says, "No, they're all going to Punchestown. Of course they are. So that's that was his way of looking at." <laughs> yeah, because I mean, obviously he's Henry's horse, but it would it would obviously hamper Willie. So I just wonder how much of that is, because for all the fact that that they've been very polite about it in public, and Michael O'Leary has said, "Oh, I'd love to have a horse in, in training with William Mullins again. Just needs to lower his fees or whatever way he has phrased it." You know, he has publicly said, "I'll do everything I can to support Gordon." Which is what oh, yeah. which is what led Johnny Ward to thinking that, um, and it's the Matchbook Betting podcast, by the way. So Rory was very much of the <laughs> view. <laughs> the, the, the spread batters. Okay, they got, they got there. And that's thirteen Absolutely minutes skin. and five seconds. You definitely did your dough. It was one one. It would be mentioned within five minutes. So you've you've clearly got done. Uh, I, I even teed you up for it. It still took you two minutes to mention. <laughs> I said I'd just see would you do it yourself. Uh, so Rory was adamant that Melon would be favoured for that race and Johnny then decided he would take to the tweet machine 1,170 votes as we record at 541 85% of you think that Sam Crow would be favoured 15 obviously uh, for Mellon Rory did then say that, that that's an interesting y- use of Twitter that you could if you were trying to gauge what the market is going to be that you could um, ask your followers or ask people on Twitter hey what do you think would go off favoured in the Cheltenham Gold Cup and see what the crowd are thinking and then go the other way if if you wanted to, which I thought was a, was an interesting way of Rory spinning the fact that he had just been murked basically by Johnny <laughs> uh, on a podcast. But look, th- this is going to be a fascinating subplot. Um, I think, Kevin, what you were saying off air was this isn't the subplot. This is the main event. So let's go to Tony Keenan for our, our exclusive final Furlong podcast betting expert for the latest updated betting on the championship trainer's title, where is the money going, Tony? And what is the current betting on the bet- Gordon Elliott uh, and Willie Mullins? The betting expert, I'm like the worst judge in Punch's title, the probably last winner of <laughs> Willie Mullins this last year. But anyway, uh, the betting is, I'm actually a little bit surprised at the betting. Um, I thought Elliott was a little bit shorter last time I checked. So you're um, 8 to 11 Elliott and 5 to 4 Mullins. I have had no opinion on this all year 
Um, I still have no opinion on it. Um, I'm just, I suppose some people have pointed out the contrast between Willie was 7 to 2, 100 to 30, going into this meeting last year. Now he's 5 to 4, with broadly the same difference in prize money. Um, I suppose people have seen what happened last year and how he was able to make up the, the, the ground. And also they can look at the anti post betting in, in, the, in the four open grade one races, which is Kevin says are all worth 275. Not only does he have the favourite in a lot of them, he seems to have the. The second and third favourite, so, so that's probably what's playing into that. Um, as a way into to getting it again, I'm going to steal someone else's work here. I think Andrew Yates made a good point there to me. Five or six, I think I had a fairy house. He said, um, maybe the way into it is looking at some of these horses that are running in spots that really shouldn't be running in and opposing them, putting the square peg into the round hole. And I tell you, there's going to be plenty of that, um, next week. And it'd be interesting to see are there any horses that actually run twice at the meeting? Well, yeah. Um, they haven't descended into that, and I'm glad they haven't descended into that. Like when the Paul Nichols Martin Pipe thing was was at its height, that, that was going on, horses running consecutive days three times in a week. I don't like that. No, I, I have to say, I, there's something fake about that. Um, uh, I, I'm not a person who thinks horses should be wrapped in cotton wool. I think run them great, but this sort of stuff around them three times in a week, I, I don't really like. Um, I think sometimes you haven't got a horse to come back to when you when you come back to them then in the autumn. Um, so, I, so again, I, I I won't be having a bet in this, um, but I, I'm fascinated to see how it unfolds. And I hope like, I even get on to, to the HRI to go race. I have to keep the the, the prize money stuff up front and centre. Mm. People are mad mad keen to know. It's fascinating, um, even down to the play the place prize money. Um, you know, because you never know. It, it it could come down to five or six thousand. Um, last year it didn't. Will you kicked on sort of be the Friday evening um, with a few big prize winners and one thing and another, but. You know, and historically, this has been Will, been Willie's meeting. I just have it up here in front of me on horse race base. Like, uh, there stats punch it down. I think this might be going back to early 2000s type of thing. Willie has 131 winners at the meeting, and in the same period, Gordon has only 14. Um, Jessica, yeah, that, that's I wonder how far now does that go back? Um, just, just give me one second. You talk away there, Kevin, and I, I just get tell you how far that goes back. But just in terms of the prize money as well, like like last year, Willie obviously had had a big a big Punchestown Festival, a sufficient one to to go and and get the championship with a bit to spare. But like last season, didn't go perfectly for him by any means. He had a few big guns um, were, were beaten. Um, like under Soul, Nichols Canyon, Jack Adam all got touched off in, in big in those big extra valuable races, you know. So it could have been even even better. And like you look at the, the year before, sorry, we won't talk about the year before because um, um, Woody was kind of preoccupied with trying to win the British Championship at the time, so he didn't have quite as good a Punchestown. But the, I think it was 2015, he might have had 1.1 million in prize money. At Punchestown, you know, 16 winners. I think he broke the record. I think he might have won 10 of the 12 grade ones or something absolutely ridiculous. That's like right. That. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's what you're that's what you're up against when Willie is, is really rolling. You know, for me, I, you know, I, I'd make Willie a slight favourite to be honest. Yeah. I, well, I'd make I'd make Willie Fav. So Kevin, obviously, you'd prefer to be going into it with the lead, but. When you just look at that prize money, and these horses have to stand up, they have to get over the line, they have to get the job done, but he's got so much ammo, and he's got so much ammo in the right races, it's just really difficult to see him not clawing Gordon back, and, and in the end, 
I, I could be completely wrong about it, but the way I, I looked at it was actually in the end, he's probably going to be reasonably comfortable by, by the end of this, just because Gordon doesn't seem to have as much strength and depth to fire back at him. But that being said, these horses have to go and get the job done. Yeah, because when you have when you have when you have numerous leading contenders in these big two seventy five races, it makes such a difference. Because if you even if you have just one odds on five, there's always the scope for something mad to happen. Yeah. But when you have others in there to pick up the pieces, you know it's just it's very hard to beat. And I would absolutely echo what Tony said there about Go Racing needing to really jump in behind this because this is this is high profile narrative that any sport would absolutely die for. It's fabulous, like it's absolute theater playing out on the biggest stage, and they really have to step up to the market because this is this is a, a tricky thing. Like you can go on to. I, but before I came onto the pod, I went on to three different databases to try and get the most up-to-date prize money situation. And all three of them are, are saying different things. Mm. You know, so there is a bit of, you know, there's no there's no uncertainty. There's only one there's only one set of numbers, the correct set. But the issue is that some of the databases don't update faster than others. So, like, if I'm if I'm working for HRI now in, 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 this, neck of, in this neck of the woods, um, I'm pumping out images with the up-to-date figures i'm doing it tonight i'm doing it tomorrow i'm doing it after every single race so everyone knows and they're going straight to the go racing the at go racing twitter handle to know the state of play the current state of play what's going on what's the score what's available here and keep it up to date you know i think they really need to be on it this week and they'll get they'll get an awful lot of traction and an awful lot of um, engagement uh, if they can do that yeah um, and I, I, I'm sure they're on it and I really hope they are yeah hopefully yeah. They are. to be fair Tony has been campaigning for this for, for a number of weeks now and I think it would be a, a really good thing just for the, the benefit of the whole week of course, of course it could work out that Matthew Taylor Dean and, and Mike Ward beat them to the punch at, 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 at the races for the week as well but the info has to be there and, and just to, to keep us up to date uh, just before Tony comes in the At The Races website on the micro site Kevin has just done a stable tour at Willie Mullins uh, haven't had a chance to read it yet but just given the fact that he's got such a powerful squad you need to read that uh, Norville's been given his own column he's got uh, trend spotting and he's got stats uh, no he hasn't uh, there are two brilliant <laughs> men doing stats guides and trend spotting uh, Kevin's favourite thing uh, there's a course guide as well it's so much interesting stuff available for you at punchestown.attheraces.com Tony surely you found it by now yeah, no, lots of interesting things there. I would, would agree with a lot of what Kevin said. The game you take last year's champion hurdle as a race there, Willie would have had Vroom Vroom Mag and Arctic Fayo were the two that were fancied for it, but the two of them, Vroom Vroom Mag ran very poorly and Arctic Fayo, I think, was torn. But Wicklow Brave comes out and, and, and does the job, you know, so it, it is the depth um, there with Willie. Yeah, I have those numbers. This is going back to 2003. So Willie has 131 winners at, at the Punchestown Festival since 2003. Then just a bit, I'll go down through the top six. Jessica Harrington, 32. Enda Bulger, 27. Noel Mead, 19. Nicky Henderson, 15. And Gordon Elliott, 14. No one else in double figures after that. Nicky um, Henderson's beating Gordon. Uh, Gordon actually hasn't had a wild amount of runners now, to be quite honest now. Compared to what, where... Like, Jessica Harrington and Noel Mead would both have had twice as many runners as Gordon Elliott in that time. So that's... That's obviously not normal in what we're facing this year. I am at the point now where I am not going to say, based on historical stuff, Gordon Elliott is not going to do this or not going to do that. Um, there was a time then when Willie Mullins wasn't able to do this. He hadn't won this race. He hadn't won that race. Gordon Elliott's on such an upward curve. There's, there's nothing that it's um, unlikely that he's not probably able to do. 
Um, I think one of the more interesting things about, about the about the championship this year is that regardless of outcome next Saturday, um, Gordon has made Willie change, not the other way around. Um, Willie was mm. happy enough there, maybe running horses in uncompetitive races, chewing one up, having odds on. But because Gordon is the depth, the bit of depth as well, Willie has had to come back and run his horses a bit more often, make the racing much more competitive. Um, and I think Willie went through, like, Willie was a very short price for this, uh, sort of at the end of the summer. He, he, he did a good goal in a good early summer, the stole things like that. He was very, very short, long odds on. I'm going to say one to three, one to four type thing. But then that period there, October, definitely November, early part of December, he really struggled now. That's when Gordon kicked on. He won another tri-town, had this great day, Christmas again. So will you look back maybe if he loses it? Look at it. I would say it's 50-50 at the minute. Look at me, the bet, we're not far off it. Uh, that would probably be the period he'll say, Jesus, maybe I let it slip then. I should have been more aggressive at getting horses out at that point. But mm. definitely, I, I do think it's... It's fairly interesting now that the lad that hasn't won it has sort of dictated the pace that the lad that's won it 11 times. I think that's a fascinating part of it. Just before we, we kick on here, do you think the fact that Gordon came so close last year and it hurt him so badly and that he has spoken so openly, he's been Cheltenham champion trainer, but he said he'd give that away to be Irish champion trainer, that <coughs> with the likes of Shattered Love, Sam Crow, Apples Jade, Farkla, and all of the handicappers that he'll be launching and all the bumper horses that he'll have lined up for this as well, and there's some very valuable bumpers, that he will have tweaked things so that Punchestown is much more, um, that the, the yard is much more focused on Punchestown than they ever were before. 100% Emmett and a very good point. Gordon Elliott, that's one thing, is that the chap, he does learn from mistakes or whatever and things that have happened in the past. And I would be amazed if he hasn't tweaked things and left a small bit of... Um, you know, sort of bit to work with there that maybe in previous years that, that he wouldn't have. So, yeah, I would agree with that. A, a very good point, yeah. All right, and Kevin, to wrap this up. Well, he, he said to me pre-Cheltenham, he, he said to me pre-Cheltenham, um, it was specifically to do with Shattered Love, but there was others as well, that he said that he deliberately not runner at the Dublin Racing Festival with a view to trying to keep it a bit fresher for, for Fairy House in Punchestown. So there definitely has been an adjustment made uh, in, in that regard with a view to Punchestown like Tony says he, he found his cupboard a bit bare there for Punchestown last season and uh, he learned from that and is trying to has tried to make an adjustment oh, like Gordon, Gordon hasn't run this um, this this wild amount of horses at Cheltenham that the people uh, t- think he had like, I remember I was in a preview night with David Casey last year and Gordon was after saying, I'll have 30 horses um, at Cheltenham 2017. And David Casey, I'm saying this to David Casey's, oh, geez, I'm, not, I'm not really sure about that. Maybe he'll have a few more. But actually, I think he actually ran about 29, you know? And it's, he, like, he's actually quite selective at Cheltenham. The, 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 there's still a bit in the tank there yet now. It's, it's, it's not bottomed out completely. And while it may not be those obvious races, that, as I said, the four grade ones, there's there's lots of other... He does have the lead, lads. Like, it is half a million. Yeah. Do, do, Duvan can fall, you know. Mm. Min might win, Dr. Phoenix comes second. You know, you're, you're, it's, it, suddenly you're not getting a quarter of a million, you're getting 100,000, you know. so it, it, And again, as, as you've said rightly, I'm sure he has sort of amended his methods slightly um, with that in mind. All right. Well, let's talk about the races, so. I mean, the fact that we've spoken about this for so long gives you an idea of just how passionate we are about it and how enthusiastic we are about it. It's going to be fascinating. You can see it all live on Channel 415 at the races and watch it back on attheraces.com and watch it live on the At The Races player as well and attheraces.com too. The Champion Chase 
over two miles. 5.30 Punchestown is the feature race on day one. Uh, Duvan is odds against as favorite. The word going into Cheltenham was that he'd been... Well, there were certainly positive vibes. There was that very alarming drift in the market, but he was traveling quite well before he tumbled. Um, but that's not really the point. He still took that fall. A town and in for the injured Ruby Walsh. He's obviously first pick, but backed up by Min, we think. Backed up by Underso for sure. Odds against Duvan. You wouldn't have thought you'd be getting that kind of a price, Tony Keenan. What is your thoughts on the champion chase? I wouldn't think I'm likely to have a bet on it now, just looking at the current prices. Um, Duvan is the best horse, uh, mm. but 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 that form is, is a year, is it over a year old at, at this year? When's the last time he beaten Sage and John Christmas? 2016, I suppose, is the, is the is the last piece of honey. He only got two thirds through the race the last day. Like, we, we just don't know. Um, no, uh, I still think you'd be brave enough now backing him at, at a shade of odds against in a race like this um, I think the money come from the wall the same I could see him going off odds on there's plenty of dirt in this you know plenty of horses that are just running at Toffield Bally Casey Tell Us More Game Changer like there's four genuine under the one shot straight away you know so possibly there is an each way angle into this for something I I, I seem to be the only person who still rates Min at all like I, I'm still a bit of a fan of Min like uh, he ran very well in Cheltenham. He very good in Leperstown before that. Like he, he, I think he stayed two and a half in the end three the last day, but he's definitely not been at his best at it. Like he's been, he's been very free for the first the first half of the race, and he, he's definitely got a chance back. And so I'd be somewhat interested in him, but not at current prices. He's only sort of in round five to eleven before there. But, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he drifts. People say he had a hard race in the entry, and maybe that's fair. Um, and one I could see uh, running a race at a, at a wild price. Although he never ever wins is a problem, it's an ordinary world. I, I thought he ran all right in the champion chase, but but, but hampered um, with be a fall or, or ran pretty good. He's one that laid laid the ground, and I, th- I think genuinely this is going to be the best ground they've had all season. Yeah. Um, they're talking about even at the minute. Um, there's not an awful lot of rain forecast through Tuesday. Just if anyone hasn't seen it, uh, Met Aaron have updated their website. Um, we can get seven day forecast for basically everywhere in the country, even Bally Bay and Monaghan, where I'm from. Um, <laughs> but um, and they also have every race course, which which is fantastic for people. And you can look up Punchestown and any track it'll go through it hour by hour. How many mills is coming? And I looked at there just beforehand. So there's nothing. Um, there's nothing really coming. There might be a little bit weddings and eight and so on. So you know, it should be decently. It's even at the minute, and we still have you know forty eight hours roughly to go before before the first. So. Could dry out. Definitely, it's going to be the nicest ground since I've had since nearly autumn. What did you think? What way the ground was going to go, Kevin? I'd say I'd be thinking along similar similar lines to you now, Tony. I'd say there's been unbelievable dry in there um, for, for pretty much all of this week. And um, for it to be yielding now is very encouraging. They're, they're thinking there might be a little bit... Not, there could be a little bit knocking about now. We were just watching the, the second last at Navin there, and there was a shower. Um, so there could be just sharp bits and pieces of showers, but I don't think there's anything... Uh, forecast to be too prolonged so i'd say yielding ground now if we we could well start yielding ground which would be great which would be the best like you say it's only the best the best ground we've had all spring um which is an interesting variable you know it would be very unusual for for punchestown to be the best ground that this that these horses have met all season basically uh, certainly in the second half of the season you'd normally expect them to have got it at, certainly at cheltenham if not at entry um so that's interesting um, this is a re- just a really interesting race, really interesting. And 
you know, I suppose it's it's something that, that none of us could ever have imagined happening there just a few short years ago, you know, with, with Willie so famously um, doing his best to keep to keep his best horses separate. And now we've got Min versus Dovan versus On the So, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and how will it pan out? I have no idea. Dovan showed an awful lot of enthusiasm. He jumped brilliantly, um, but too far out to know you know how much ability he has re- retained you know i i made no secret of the fact leading the cheltenham last year that, that he's never beaten a genuine you know mid 150s horse that, that ran his race on the day um size and john doesn't count because he was running over a mile short of his best um and clearly wasn't half the horse he, he turned out to be yeah at the time uh so dovan like while People would say, "Oh, if he's back to his best, he wins." You know, I don't. I still think he has to prove himself. You know, I went into this year's champion chase thinking, "Right, this is the best race he's ever run in by a mile," and he's got to go show it. And this race here is the best race he's he's run in um, by a mile. You know, we're not, we won't include the champion chase because obviously he fell before we found out anything of, of real note. So you know, he has never faced uh, a field of this quality before. Not nothing approaching it. You know, so a short price about Dovan wouldn't really appeal to me. I'd, I'd be delighted to see him go and bolt up and show that he was, he was a superstar all along. But we just don't know yet. We just don't know. Um, Min, like if Min hadn't have run Aintree, I'd give him a great shout here. Um, but, you know, the fact that he's run 11 days ago and had a bit of a gut buster, like Tony says, he, he clearly stays two and a half miles. But there's no question, no doubt in my mind whatsoever, the two miles is, is his best trip. Um, under so will, will, is just what Min wants, really. He wants a horse to go and gallop in front of him. And with the likes of Special Tiara and, you know, tell us more potentially, you know, in here, to go, they should go a proper championship pace. And two miles at a championship pace is what Min wants. So if you put an old gun to my to my head and said, right, pick, it'll probably be Min. But I'd give a shout for Dr. Phoenix as well because oh. he's... He could be, you know, he's not a bad horse for Gordon to have run from here. You know, he's done a great job with him. And I think a championship pace of two miles could show him the best effect as well. You know, we saw, you know, it maybe wasn't Davy's finest hour when he finished second to great field. He was left with an awful lot to do and flew home. Uh, and last time he, he was upsides on the soul. And you can debate what would have happened all day and all night. You know, it was two out. But generally, when something's got upsides on the so at that stage of a race, they've generally beaten on the so. And yeah. he was certainly travelling very sweet to my eye. I know Paul Townend is adamant he, he had plenty left to call on with on the so. But, yeah, I, I think that was going to be a proper race. So that was two and a half miles, remember, a trip that, that Dr. Phoenix, you know, he, you know, he's shown form over that sort of trip in his previous life, but he's a, he's clearly a much improved horse now, and I think the drop to two miles has been a big help to him. So if you, you were talking about a, 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 the potential for a bit of each way scumbaggery here, Tony, and he'd he'd, he'd probably no, be it, the one. It's not. It's not each He'd each probably way. be the one for me. But you do, you do a four horse in this, and it may end up with a very, very little chance. So you're, you're talking about betting each way three places in a six runner race, and you're possibly arguing that the favourite is you know. You can definitely see reasons for opposing him. The thing with Dr. Phoenix, I'd be a little bit concerned now about trying ground with him. Um, he looks to have really thrived on the heavy stuff um, over the winter. I was looking back. A couple of bits of form in England now on decent ground. Although he's in such good form at the minute, um, you know, you, you, why wouldn't he continue the good run? But, yeah, 
Min would be would be the lean at the minute for me, but but unlikely to have a bet at current prices. If you were gonna have a bet, would it be more? Would you be more inclined to go with a place bet on Ordinary World if he could get a massive price on? I, th- I think I would because it, like, it does look like a race that, that there's going to be a, a right gallop on um, on the so obviously special tiara and. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that Talos Moore isn't going to be up there trying to second them. Like, that's yeah. What he's, yeah. Like, that's what he's there to do at Christmas. Like, you know, he's there to rattle a few of them there and maybe get in the road and annoy them and what have you. Like, he's not... That would be made. And that, and that is possibly opening it up for pace collapses and maybe horses falling into second and third that ordinarily wouldn't have the ability to beat. And here comes the game changer! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, could you imagine the scenes? Could you imagine? Do you imagine the Elliot celebration if the game changer went in one? Oh my God! Uh, right, let's um, let's move on from the feature race on day one to the feature champion novice hurdle on day one, which is the hurled champion novice hurdle. To give it its full title, uh, get a bird, a bitter disappointment predicted by Kevin Blake at the Cheltenham Festival, but bounced back in some style at Ferry House. To be fair, uh, is now odds-on favourite Tony Keenan. Will he continue this upper progression? at Punchestown or is there something in here possibly like Tizard's Vision de Floss that will beat him um, yeah good luck at this earlier on hard to hard to not get aboard on anything other than price he, he's a little bit short now at, at odds on to me um, like those pair of horses that ran in the triumph Mangley Can and I'm Mangley Can and Paloma Blue, like, I think you can make an argument they probably achieved as much in defeat as, as Getterboard achieved in victory in Fairy House. Um, I'm not sure about Getterboard going back on, on a bit better ground. And I also worry about Mangley Can. Most of his form now is on softish ground. And looking at his form on the flat, he, he'd seem to prefer a bit, of, a, a bit of a cut as well. When he got good ground, he, he'd end on the perform. I was giving Paloma Blue a little bit of a chance here. He's been a bit frustrated to follow in, in some regards, but... I think the key to him might be the good ground. Um, he's too bloody keen every day now. That's a problem. Fences will probably sort that out to a degree in that they can just go on go on with him. Um, but that said, he did finish out his race quite well in the Supreme. I don't think he's liked the ground at all. Um, I, I, I would think he might be able to reverse from what Mangley can and, and maybe give the favourite a bit of a race. And there's another one there at a big up price. Um, and people will be looking and saying, how would he, he probably can't beat Getterboard, but I think he's a horse that is on a bit of an upward curve, is a draconian. Um, he was very impressive in, in winning his maiden hurdle in Clamell. I was just reading the comments. Patrick Mullins, Jesus, very wholesome in his praise after it, um, about him, notably so, like, comparing him to the decent horses. He says he won the same race at Bally Case. He just, he, comparing him to that after winning 150 horse to after winning the maiden hurdle in Clamell in the middle of December, you know, that was fairly exciting. And I also thought that very interesting that they went for a bit of a gamble on him in, in, in Navin back in March. He was very strong in the market. He half the price that day um, and fell early, unseated early. I thought he ran very well in, in the Getterboard race. Getterboard sort of dictated a bit, soft enough lead. Draconian sort of found himself behind horses, had to weave his way through a bit, didn't really suit. And I thought he ran well in, in what was effectively only his third run over hurdles. Um, you, you, you know, haven't fallen there on season early last He's probably a little bit overpriced now at, at 20 phase. A strong traveller, although his breeding would probably suggest maybe he, he would prefer a little bit of soft ground. 
So they, they were two that I, I sort of picked out that might be a little bit overpriced. I, I just thought Gettaboard was a little bit short. Um, he, he's done. He, he's in plenty of race. This whole plenty of racing argument now is going to be is hard because some of them thrive on it and then others just just you know you have a ready made excuse beforehand. It's very hard to judge. I think you have to you know maybe prices have to dictate for you um, on that front. I think that is some very interesting info there from Tony Keenan. Swinging for a few prices. I throw in Vizia and the Flow. Kevin, you know, it's a horse I, I like quite a lot. I think it's interesting that Tizard is bringing him over with Puppy Power on board. For you, are, are you back in the Get a Bird camp going the right way around, around for him? Was that Jonathan Ross there speaking? Right way <laughs> round for him. There we go. Deary me. Um, oh, look, I think he, he sets the standard, definitely. Mengli Khan... Uh, I, I disagree with Tony there. I think he'll be. I think he'll be okay on better ground. The concern I have for him, as much as anything, is just this track, because you, you can't. It's not something that's really emphasised a lot when people chat about Punchestown. But the, the hurdle track at Punchestown is tight. <clears throat> it's tight, and this fella's the size of a bus. He's huge, and, um, and it's not really a track that that's conducive to buses going around it. Um, so that that's just the that's just the main concern. Um, with him, I, I think he, he can do a bit better than he did at Cheltenham. Um, but I would just be a little bit concerned about the track. And just something, I, I just an angle I'll throw in here, because Tony summed up the race lovely there. Just an angle I'll throw in here with Getterbird is his two best performances have, have both come right-handed, obviously, um, at Punchestown and Fairy House, two of his last three. And they've both come when he got an uncontested lead. Um, and... Eddie Ullier listens to this podcast and I would be fearing for, for, for <laughs> I won't try and be clever here, I would be shocked if they don't push on with Hardline. Hardline has made the running before and they would be b -b -b bananas to leave Get, get a Bird away with, an, with a soft lead here when they have a, hard, a horse like Hardline in there that can make the running. Um, you got it, and he, he and he left them off. He 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 raced yeah. second behind Getterbird the last time. You got to push on. You got to push on. This is Punchestown. The gloves are off. Some people will poo-poo such things, but there's nothing wrong with it. He's a front runner. Kick on. Don't give that horse a soft time in front, and see what happens. Because I, I think Getterbird, he might be a bit of a, a a bit of a bully, because I think when when he didn't get things his own way at Cheltenham, he was fired up initially. He, I, I think Ruby was just about getting him back, and um, I forget what horse it was. Some yoke came up on his outside then and fired him up again, and he started jumping right, and he was done with a long way out. So I think that uh, tactically, you cannot let get a bird get an easy lead. You really can't. And, and Gigginstown have a tool there in hard line to to ensure that. So. I'll be really interested to see the early stages of this. And if I'm a Getterbird backer, and uh, there will be plenty of them out there, that's my biggest concern, that he gets hassled. Because I think I think there, there's a bit of a kink in him. To all the talent in the world, but I think there's a bit of a kink in him. And uh, and get, put him, putting him under a bit of pressure is perhaps the way to bring that to the surface. If you were going to go for a bet in this race, Kevin, who would it be? Oh, it's tough. It's tough. Um... You know, I don't have the betting in front of me for this, but Sharjah and Better Ground could be one that, that improves. Interesting. And if, yeah. they, if they did, if, I, if they I, did go mad in front, that that could that would play to his strengths because he's a strong, strong traveller. Mm. He's Sharjah is an interesting horse, but I think he's been a real victim now to training. 
championship myself. Um, he said, right, they, they were sort of saying all along that he wants good ground. And then when he did get it, a goodish ground at Christmas, he ran really well. He was travelling much better than real steel when he came down at the last. Um, then he's run behind Sam Crow, isn't his ground. He's running the Supreme, isn't his ground. I just don't think they need to run him in Fairy House. I think that was just looking for get a few quid of prize money. There was no need for you'd been far better coming fresh or to this race. Um, the ground has now come from, but now he's danced every bloody dance since Christmas. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he does if he does run well because it does his ground. Maybe what he's been doing is all he's capable of, but he's one horse definitely. I didn't think needed the extra run. Yeah, I see here is he's 20 to 1, you know, and at that sort of price in a race that, that has a decent set up to it, um, that might be the way I'd lean, but it's not a bullish shout. You know, my main focus here is Getterbird. You know, I think he's a really interesting horse. He's a horse that's, that's fascinated me all season, but I, I think I, I think they could, they got to try and take him on here. I, you know, I'm not going to repeat myself again, but it, they, they got to take him on. And and if he can come through that and win anyway, you know, he'll he'll really... Um, he'll really go up in my estimations and he's pretty high there anyway I think he's very good but we need to see him tested in that regard to, to see just how good he is because Cheltenham was just didn't work on a number of fronts um, and I just want to see him a bit under pressure here around right hand the track and see how he copes with it that is Joseph O'Brien's race planner Kevin Blake and he's available for a consultancy on your race planning as well <laughs> particularly when it comes to tactics uh, that's a proper each way scumbag race that's our view on the two key races on day one Tony Keenan anything else you want to highlight uh, for the for the opening day live and at the races yeah I thought that the Scrollwise champion August Chase was, was it, it's, again it's a very deep race um, one race where, where, where Gordon and Willie Dunk with the favourite Mon Lee his favourite and probably rightfully so that, that RSA form looks looks very good with Alboom Photo coming out and winning at uh, the Rainair Chase at Fairy House, House. Yeah, um, Colin Tizard is a horse in this Finian's Oscar. It would be hard to back an English horse novice chaser against against these. Oh my these. god! They buried them all. Yeah, I know. I know he's won an entry. He looks oh my god! He's still giving me nightmares. <laughs> yeah, I look at that race in the entry fell apart a bit. Brian Power fell early. Sirnium didn't really run to form. Tolino Derry's not too far behind them. I don't think he'd be good enough. Um, but Monolly, he's a horse. Uh, just find it hard to warm to him. Like maybe he's just going to go and win, but I'm not sure that he's got an awful lot in hand on some of these. Um, I had a few quid on Chattered Love last week for this, and I'm a little bit worried about the ground. I just did, at the time, she was twice the price of Alboom Photo. She's still bigger than Alboom Photo. I didn't think she just deserved to be that because um, she could easily have beaten him if she'd have jumped the, jumped the last a bit better in Fairy in, in fairy House. And also Tara Ford come out and showed her form a good length of the injury. But the one when I looked at it again today who, who looks a very big price is um, one that ties in with Chattered Love, Jury Duty. Um, he, he's 20 to 1. Now, Cheltenham was disappointing, but... I had in my head before going into it that he was never going to be suited to be four miles. I think he's too strong on the travel for four miles. Yeah. And I think coming back the three is going to suit him. I think a bit of nice ground will suit him. He travels away lovely in his races. He hasn't had an extra run since Cheltenham. He, he's relatively fresh. Um, and I just thought he was a little bit overpriced now going back on decent ground. A good record at Punchestown. One here earlier in the year. Uh, should have won a good handicap order at this meeting a few years back. So oh. yeah, Oh, he, he was a big price anyway. 
All right. Anything else for you, Kevin? No, I'm pretty good now. I think that novice chase is a fabulous race. That I'd really agree is. with Tony there. Endura duty, I, I didn't. I was very worried about him going into Cheltenham now with the trip. And I'd say this this would be much more his bag. Um, and yeah, just really looking forward to that race, to be honest. I think Manali could be a little bit vulnerable over that trip. I just think Manali might prove best over mid-range trips in the fullness of time. And I'd say he could be he could be a vulnerable fav. All right, we're looking at six to one and twenty to one shots there from Tony Keenan as we lead on to the feature race on day two, the Coral Punchestown Gold Cup, live on at the races at five thirty. Road to respect for Noel Mead, fourth. Uh, last time out in the Gold Cup is currently favoured. He's only seven. It's hard to believe he's still only a seven-year-old. Uh, Bells Hill coming into the race in the back of that fine run in the uh, Irish Grand National uh, is currently around about four to one. And then there's the mighty Jack Adam. Right, Tony Keenan. Talk some sense here. Um, seven years of age, road to respect. He's run some cracking races. Is this his time to shine in grade one company? Or is one of the one, two, three, four, five... Hang on a second. Your kill is entered in this... Oh, my God. What are they doing with him? Uh, one of the five Willie Mullins Battalion uh, is one of those horses going to get the better of him. Or could it be the Edwell story yet again at Punchestown? Um, I have a two bets in this now. Uh, I have back road's respect straight after the price has come out. Um, I'm delighted the way the ground has gone for him. Um, it was all against him at Cheltenham. I thought he didn't jump great on it either. And look, he probably hasn't really stayed the trip. Maybe in, in future years on, on a bit better ground, he might stay it. Um, so everything points to him having a big run. I suppose Annabel Flay and Mike Bay haven't done the Chatham form any harm at all. The slight concern with Road to Respect, although I'm not going to get too hung up on it because I, I think it's, it can be overdone, as some people have said. A trainer think a little bit too that he's better left-handed, but... He beat York Hill now in, in Fairy House last year going right-handed. He, he ran perfectly adequately in Den Ryan. and he, he's, he's won at the course here earlier in the season. So I'm not, I'm not going to worry about him. He's like 5-2 to two at the minute. I would get the sense he's won the go off 6-4. to four. I think there's juice in his price even. I think he's very solid favourite there. Um, just to talk through some of the other ones, Bells Hill ran his cream. So the non-Cheltenham, non-Leperstown Bells Hill is a very, very good horse. Um, I would just wonder if he's quite good enough to win an open grade one um, against real gold cup horses. He's still coming from a handicap where he's running enough marks in the 150s. Jack, I him look flatters to deceive. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Where does he get the ground back and road to respect from Cheltenham on, ground, on, on, a, on a surface that's going to suit road to respect uh, yeah. better? Lord Vic, he, he is, of the high class chasers around at the minute, he is unequivocally the worst jumper. Absolutely. Uh, I would say the engine that he has is colossal, but his jumping is just, it, it is just every day it has been, it has been bad. Um, a 10 to 1, maybe you're happy enough to take a chance with that. I, I, I can't, um, couldn't put anyone off doing that. But another concern I would add, I, I do think he wants really soft ground, which he's not going to get. But the other horse that I thought had a squeak, and Geez, this horse has been would be cliff horse and, and a sickening sort of horse for people in some ways. Is um, Manella Rock? Oh my god! Um, I tell you why. I, I'm just uh, the interesting thing about him is like it's just that they've been so adamant about waiting for decent ground with him. They took him out of a Gold Cup and a Grand National where everyone wants to run, no matter whether trip ground or anything is right, to wait for this. So maybe I, I thought that I would take that as a positive, like. Outside of 
rode with respect and jacketed him. He's the only horse who you know is is sort of at the, at the uh, able to be at the top level. Like if he's really on it, like that second to Saison John last year, um, you know, it, it is a hell of a run. His runs on good ground, looking back through them, are pretty good. But it's just the way the connections have have placed him here, and the fact that he's the window. I just thought he's fourteen or sixteen to one there. I, I thought there was a little bit of juice in that play as well um, in a race where there, there are often torn ups and he, he's the fresh horse and it just is thing about keeping him and not running him around national industry he is coming so Kevin and I have had many discussions about Manila Rocco over the last few weeks and uh, it's mostly resulted in both of us laughing hysterically but to be fair Johnny <laughs> laughing hysterically and it's all on the record um, speak for yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah and people can listen back and hear you giggling away they can I have no idea what you're talking about uh, <laughs> I was there Kevin Blake I was there to be fair Johnny Genuinely Ward put him no up as well Johnny, <laughs> Johnny put him up as well and he put him up quite strongly and I was very dismissive too and you just make a good point um which kind of melts my head that I could be persuaded to back Manila Rocco in a great one. But actually, <laughs> but actually, I could be. Talk some sense to me, Kevin Blake. Bail me out. I don't have nothing against Manila Rocco. I have no idea what you're on about. I think I, well, I would have been very afraid of his jumping in the, in the Grand National. Now. Um, that would have been a big concern for me, but he ultimately didn't run. Stays really well. I just, be, I just almost be worried that this wouldn't be a sufficient test for him. You know, I think he stays very, very well, mm. and um, it, it'll be quick enough around here now. With the, if if the ground is yielding, as we're kind of talking on the basis of yielding ground now, this whole podcast. So, um, if things change, uh, you know yourself, lads, things can change. So, presumably, um, but, Kevin, with the McManus runners, you, I'm in, imagining that things will stay as they are. We, we interviewed Joseph O'Brien earlier on, but that Derek O'Connor will ride Ed Wolf and that Barry Gardy would be on board Manila Rocco. In that scenario, Ed Wolf comes into this run on, on the back of a, a good effort in the Gold Cup in a race where nothing could get involved from behind because the two uh, put up a tremendous performance in, in Native River and, and Might Bite. Um, Ed Wolf's run and win at Leopardstown earlier this season makes him a serious player in this field, surely. Oh, if he can reproduce that, he'd have a big chance for sure. And um, Cheltenham, like you know, he he was maybe he was badly positioned as the race went, but he wasn't a million miles behind Annabelle Fly when the race started to hot up, and he, he just didn't pick up. He he didn't get into the same rhythm that he did at Leopardstown, mm. and um, he just didn't run as well. And sometimes that happens. Like he he doesn't have the world's most consistent profile. You only have to look at his form to see that. Um, and look, if he bounces back. He's got a great chance because it's very difficult to pick holes in, in that Irish Gold Cup form. Outlander is, is very consistent around Leopardstown, and that puts him that puts him in the mix. But could you be confident about him bouncing back? It'd be hard too. You know, he does enjoy soft ground, um, and while you know, I think he hand, he'll handle yielding ground just fine. I think he, he probably would prefer just a small bit deeper. Um, so it, it'd be a watching brief for him with me. Um, road to respect the the, the, the left handed right handed thing is definitely a thing with him but I, you know it, it's not ideal but I think the sounder surface will be a big help to him I thought he ran a stormer in the gold cup he's coming here a little bit fresher than, than, than some and he, he's the right for fav and I'd be hopeful he'd go and win you know they'll be very aware of the left handed right handed thing with him I'm sure they'll ride him with a view to that i.e. trying to keep a horse outside him at all times and um, I, I think he's got a super chance. He's a better horse this year. 
Uh, he's a better horse with a hood on, I think. And I, I'd be hopefully going win. It, it's not a great uh, Punchestown Gold Cup, I don't think. And I'd like to think he can go and beat these. You know, Bells Hill has the potential to do better, but um, an Irish Grand National is, is a very different race to, to a Punchestown Gold Cup. Mm. He's still only seven, Roach Respect. It's amazing. Um, he's obviously got a, a huge amount of potential that if he can back up that run, he'd be fascinating. Uh, Kevin Blake, just before we move on to the novice race of the day, how do you solve a problem like your kill? Um, you throw him in a field. You throw yeah. him in a field. I I think, you know, for all that the champion hurdle was an ambitious shout, uh, I think it would be a shock to everyone if he can run any sort of race, no matter what contest he lines up in here. You know, going right-handed, something that he, he's never enjoyed, even in his pomp. You know, I I just think it's it's a bit mad, really. Mm. You know, they they had they they had their wild swing at Cheltenham, it didn't work out at all. Um, sun is shining. I throw him out in the field and and look at him for a couple of months and let him uh, either mentally or physically get over whatever it is that's up with him this season because he's clearly a shadow of the horse he once was. Yeah. Um, they're finding nothing physical. Like he did chip out of a knee there after the Lexus. Um, but it would be hard to imagine that is causing them any issues. You know, that's a that sounds like a serious thing, but it's actually a very minor thing in, in real terms. Uh, so I just don't know. I just don't know. I just throw him in the field and let Doctor Grass look after him. Yeah. You know, that's what that's what all the old horsemen always say. Like that, I forget what the exact expression is, but the the, the point of it was that you know lob a horse out to, out to grass for a few weeks or, or a month or two and that can often cure whatever was wrong you might never find out what was wrong but when they come back in they're fine again and you know that's that's what I'd be doing if you were mine but you know there you go who knows you, you might go and win Punchestown you never know in this great game but Gotta be some it seems highly, highly highly unlikely to me no yeah. matter what race he runs it yeah Aintree was very much on the agenda for him but he the fact that he's entered in a gold cup at Punchestown just Give him the summer off, I would say. But Willie Mullins will forget more about racing did, than we'll ever know. Did, did you see what else he's entered in? Go on. He's entered off top weight in a, in a two and a half mile handicap hurdle. I said that. that I I say that's not impossible now. Going now. He, he he did mention it the other day now because I think he he made the point that they've won it with, with some with they've won that specific top weight a couple of years ago. Um, was it Thomas Hobson who he eleven eight or something like that? Yeah. Um, he he made that point, and you know, like I don't think his jumping was really the issue in the champion hurdle. He jumped fine. He jumped like a horse that had been jumping fences, but not horrendously. You know, he was safe and sound over him without. I don't. He wasn't losing ground to my eye. So, you know, if you wanted to give him another run, you know, given that it's right-handed, you know, I'd probably. I could see some value in running them and that there'll be there'll be a million runners bur- bury him down the inside and try and give him a happy experience but yeah if, if like I say if he remind he'd be out in the field already yeah 100% I agree all right the Irish Daily Mirror novice hurdle is the feature grade one on day two this is at 4.55 and at the races next destination currently heads the betting kill brick and storm go on Harry Derham do I dare mention his name after <laughs> that poor old Danny fellow on Twitter is probably losing his mind completely <laughs> It's unbelievable, lads. She's like, I got about a year out of, out, of, out of winter for the guineas. Poor old Harry barely got two weeks out of Kilbrick and Completely Storm. forgotten. <laughs> he tipped the winner 50 to 1, lads. Unbelievable. Give him some credit. At the Cheltenham Festival. And, and now he's, there's pops been fired at him left, right and centre on Twitter because he two bumper horses disappointed. 
You're all right, Harry. And Harry's back in the show next week, by the way. So he'll be here to, to front up to all of you with Jeremy Kyle <laughs> to have a go at you all. Uh, Delta Work, the Cheltenham Festival winner, and Ballyward is a horse I, I quite like uh, as well. Line up here. All right, Tony Keenan, take it away. Um, next destination, heading the betting. What's your thoughts on the Irish Daily Mirror yeah. novice hurdle? I haven't got to this race in real detail yet. I did think next destination, just something I spotted about him at Cheltenham. Um, I don't think he handled the downhill part of the track at all, uh, more, so than, more so than maybe wanting this massive step up and trip. He, 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 he'd shown a few gears um, in his previous runs, so that might have been a little bit deceptive. And he actually went and looked back at the bumper in Cheltenham the previous year, and I didn't think he'd love the downhill part of the track there. Now, what that means for this race, I don't know. That's just something to keep in mind if he goes back to Cheltenham next year. Um, Kilbrick and Storm, quite interesting to read. Um, Colin Tizzardson, he's very hard to keep his feet right. Um, they were wrong, were wrong before Cheltenham. They've been wrong since Cheltenham. They seem to be right now, he says, but they could be, they could be wrong between now and the race. So, yeah, Delta Work would need to step up appreciably on, on what he did in the handicap. Bally Ward, I suppose, was given a little bit to do in the Albert Bark, the way that race developed. Santini's come out and shown that some of those horses who were held up are better than that. But, yeah, no, no massive opinion at this stage. Kevin, for you? Uh, I'll just be really interested to watch Next Destination because I had a big, big regard to him going into Cheltenham and he really disappointed me now. Not so much that he was beaten, but just the way he shaped. You know, I thought he was faster than he looked there, but Tony makes it makes an interesting point and, and Willie, funny enough, mentioned a, a very similar point when, when I spoke to him for Freddy Yard the other day. You know, he questioned whether the horse handled the track and, you know, he, he might not be as slow as he looked. It might have been the track just just making him look slow. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see where he lines up. Uh, like, uh, I would have always thought that, the tr- you know, always thought I would have, certainly after Cheltenham, I would have been thinking the three-miler was very much the race for him. Um, but I suppose that the two-and-a-half-miler could be considered as well. But wherever he lines up now, I'd be hopefully he'd bounce back because he did, um, he did very well to finish as close as he did given how just how badly uh, off the pace he was. Um, at a crucial point of that race. And I, I still think he's very good. I think he's very exciting. And while there's a few nice horses in opposition here, I'd still be hopeful that if he runs here that he'd go and win. Okay. Uh, finally, we will get the thoughts of Tony Keenan and anything else to watch out for, but the bumper. A great man once said, don't complicate your mind. Kevin Blake, should we just be backing Relegate, seeing as her form has been very much franked? Um, look, I, I think I said in the Cheltenham Review pod that Black Bow was the one I take from the race, and I, I better stick with him here. Um, I thought he shaped really well. Um, there was some chit chat, um, purely racecourse rumor. No idea if it's true that he maybe didn't have the perfect preparation um, in between Leopardstown and Cheltenham, that he, he might have had a little issue or two. Um, and he was just very free. You know, Willie thinks that maybe the occasion just got the better of him and fired him up. Um, but I thought he did. He ran really, really well, considering how free he went through the race. And I think he's definitely better than that. And while he has to reverse form with, with a few with the finish in front of him, it wouldn't be a big shock to me at all if he could do so. Okay, Rapid Escape had a very big reputation and was mentioned on this podcast by Jamie Codd. He comes in uh, fresh if he can bounce back from that disappointing performance behind uh, Black Bow. Tony, for you. I would echo, echo what Kevin said there. I, I think Blackpool might be better suited going on this uh, more speed favouring track. He was too much too keen the last day. I thought Getaway John was a horse that, that ran 
won reasonably well at Ferry House and Grand National Day as well, though he, he might be more one for longer term over over a trip. Okay. I don't. I don't. Oh, I, I don't. I don't like Carl Reeve. That's actually a horse I don't like in this. Um, I, 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 she, she has sort of travelled well there in, in the champion bumper, but that not for the first time she's flattered to deceive. I just get the feeling she'll be a little bit underpriced, and people start looking back at the form she had from Relegate and yeah, Katie May um, flash tail and debut. No, uh, she might be a weak link in the betting if you just want to do a pose her. But right. I tell you, she could she could end up running in the mayor's bumper later on the same card, and she'd be even shorter there if you, that, if you wanted to take her on. That, that, that would be even better. Mm. Yeah. She's she, there's, only so, there's only so much in the market she's going to take up in a race like this if Blackpool carefully selected and relegated Tornado Flyer mm. and all that running, you know alright anything else on the Wednesday for you Tony no that'll do me for, uh, Kevin hunky dory then let's move on to Thursday again all live on ATR the feature race at 5.30 is the Labrooks champion stairs hurdle and we will see a horse that was expected to need the run at the Cheltenham Festival with a view to then improving for Punchestown, only for him to come out and win. Penn Hill is a short price favourite in a race that is dominated by Willie Mullins, Bacardi's, uh, Cock on Man in the Hurricane Fly colours. Uh, he's got a number of other horses entered as well, including uh, Let's Dance. And interesting enough, Faheen holds an entry here too. Um, Penn Hill was a very good winner at Cheltenham. Will he back it up here, Tony Keenan? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I have a feeling this horse is going to be one that's going to frustrate me. I'm going to get him along the whole time, but I think I'm going to take him on here. Um, he, he actually is a horse that, despite what Willie was saying about preparation and all, that he actually does go quite well fresh. So um, he didn't improve you now from Cheltenham to Punchestown last year. He actually went back a little bit. So I have a slight concern about that. Again, it's just price... Um, I suppose, having watched Cheltenham back, I had in my head that Bacardi's would be a horse I might like the back in this. I could, really couldn't have him at Cheltenham off the preparation that he's had, but um, geez, he ran a screamer in, in, in the stairs hard. Mm. Um, it's a very slowly run race, and, and while, while Penn Hill got a, got a nice sort of spin round the outside, he got caught behind a wall of horses and, and was staying on and staying on and staying on. I think he would have been in the frame now, not sure he'd have beaten the winner, but that was off a, a pretty ropey preparation. He, he'd only two runs in the season beforehand and fell at Christmas and things like that. So he, he might improve. Like, well, when he gets round over horns, he, he, he generally tends to win, you know, so you can't knock him on that. But, yeah, again, I, I thought he'd be a little bit bigger. But I, I found a horse in this that, that I think is just... Real value price now at the minute. He shortened a bit in the last couple of days, um, and uh, but I still think he's over his um, identity thief. I was on about him earlier. He beat Holstone with the same distance and the same ease as Penn Hill beat uh, Holstone in the stairs. One of them is fifteen to eight. One of them is seven to one. Um, I, I, I can't have that. That price is right, and I think he's going to go off shorter. I suppose people are looking at him. He had a time in the wilderness there, but I like the way he's been brought back. Nice and gradual, uh, all right run in the champion hurdle, then a good run in, in the in the Irish champion hurdle, good run in Gorn, goodish run the champion hurdle, not jumping well, and then he goes up and trip, and he was really impressive in the entry. Now I know Sam Spinner probably hasn't run his race, but I'm, I'm taking it that Holstone has run pretty close to form, um, and I think I think seven to one is overpriced. I can't see how he goes off sevens. I think he has to go off nearly second favourite in this. I'm thinking more like a four to one shot. Um, and if he's sevens now, you know, think he's going to be fours in the days. That's the bet I'm having all day long. 
Boise is still acting very, very smog after this horse's success at Aintree. His <laughs> beloved identity thief. Uh, do you agree, Kevin Blake, or are you sticking with Penn Hill? No, I would be more with Tony now than with Penn Hill, I think. Um, identity thief came, really came good, I think, last time. It seemed, the whole experience seemed to suit him really well over the longer trip and provided that he backs up fine, you know, 12-day gap. Um, I, I Tony's right. He's he's the wrong price at the minute. Penn Hill did well to win last time, but look, there's there's been no secret made of it. Like it was a very slowly run stairs hurdle form that has to be treated with a bit of caution. Um, as we saw, the the bare form got absolutely thrown its head at Aintree with with Lammy Surge um, re- reversing form at Super Sunday, and oh. yeah, I I just be cautious that form big time, and I let Penn Hill go and win here at, at whatever price he's seven to four two to one. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Faheen ran here. Really? You know, who, who know? Who knows? With um, with, with Willie, you just don't know until they're declared. But I wouldn't be shocked if he ran here at all, and you can see the logic. You can see the logic. He he was well put in his place in the champion hurdle last time. I know, you know, Charlie Parks maybe didn't help his cause, but he was ultimately well beaten. And, you know, he's in the twilight of his career. I don't think that's disrespectful to say that. And um, he, he's run over three miles before. Give him a whirl. They've done this before. They did it with Hurricane Fly. Yeah. Um, give it a try. Zero to lose at this stage. And um, I think it's worth a try. And if you were mine, that's probably what I'd do. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. Kevin, he's only 10, but if he did line up here and it didn't quite go to plan, this could very well be the last time that we see him on the racetrack. And he definitely deserves uh, to be carried out in the shield, if that's the case. Yeah, look, it's, it, I, it's not my place to, to say whether he should or shouldn't. Um, that's up to the people closest to him. But... Uh, he certainly well look the mark he was he looked right at, right back to his best in the mark yeah, yeah. And certainly close to it it's you know I'd say Willie wouldn't mind another go at giving him a real rev up um, in the early part of, of next season and having a real go at the Margiana. Um again I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to do that so we, we won't talk of retirement yet hopefully he'd acquit himself well in this company um, but yeah we'll, we'll see what happens I, I suspect he might line up here. To be fair, that's exactly what they did with Hurricane Fly. Aimed for the Moggiana, he won it, and then he kicked on again. So Yeah, or, e- or even the Hatton's Grace, maybe, if they mm. want to go a little bit further, similar time of year. But yeah, that, maybe that's what they do. But actually, look, we, we'll, we'll let them worry about that. You know, we, yeah. We'll just watch what happens and, uh, and, and comment on that. But I, I assume Super Sunday is not going to line up again, is he? I think he's going for the... If he is going to run, I think he's going to go for the champion. Really? I think that was the yeah. that was the current talk. Okay, that's interesting. Latest from you, Tony? Well, I just saw there was a few... I say a few quid. I'm not saying a few... We know it's not a few quid. It takes nothing to cut something. He was caught in price for the champion there. Mm. I, I would say, no, if he's, if he's running, it won't be in the champion. It looks a bit easy of, of a race, you know. Um, he has already beaten Mellon and, and Mick Jazz at Leopardstown. And there is still a bit of a stamina out in Penn. He did beat him probably a little bit easily in Chatham. Yeah. So what you're saying, Tony, is all the right faces are back in the champion <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the right faces. <laughs> all right, uh, let's talk about the Cheltenham superstar footpad, who has to be one of the most exciting horses in training. Daryl Jacob is back in the saddle uh, for his retained owners and uh, has already been talking to death races about how excited he is about riding this horse again. He made a horrendous mistake 
in the Arkle and yet recovered under the ice cool Ruby Walsh to go and win and win in some style. They had gone an insane pace up front, but he is hugely exciting and it would be a real disappointment if he was beaten here, Tony. Yeah, he needs he need to run below form um, to get beaten here. Look, apparently he's had some sort of a little issue that, that threw him out of, main, out of main. So I'm sure Willie was very keen to keep him for this race anyway. He needs all the bullets at this stage. <laughs> It's convenient, that wasn't it? Oh, ah, very convenient. Oh no! Oh no! Stone bruise. But he, he'll be fine for punches down. It's, it's, it's not too often like the setbacks are timed exactly when you want them. But sure, there you go. Um, <laughs> Petty Mouchoir Mouch- Mouch- just seems to be. He's just a hard old horse to settle and to raid. Always doing a bit too much and. This is one race that you, you could really see cutting up into, into, into a pretty small field. Like Castlefris Paddy, I suppose, has, has, has done quite well in a sort of a slightly truncated campaign, hasn't it? He's had a setback or two, but has, has won a spare races. Um, but yeah, Footpad just should win this if he's if he's if he's right. Kevin Blake. Ah, oh, Footpad. You know, he's been one of the stars of the season for me. He's been fabulous. You know to do what he did in the Arkell. And I know clearly the race very much set up for him, but to come back from that, uh, from walking through a fence, basically, in, in the middle part of the race was was a fair reflection on him. He He's brilliant. Uh, one thing I would mention, and, he, and he's probably going to go in regardless, but one thing I'd mention, again, if you're Gordon and um, Gigginstown, I wonder, would you send up Tycoon Prince up, send him up into the mix? Uh, you know, Footpad doesn't have to lead, but I thought he, he looked especially good when he led earlier this season. His it allows him to to really have a cut of his fences without having to worry about what anyone else is doing. And I think he he's got into a very good rhythm in front um, this season. But uh, if if I'm Gordon, I, I'm sending Tycoon Prince up um, and uh, to keep him honest at least. And uh, again, not everyone might like such talk, but this is racing. It's competitive. It's tactical. And um, sometimes you have to do things to, to for, for the greater good, we'll put it that way. <laughs> for the greater good. He's no relation, lads. Get stuck in. <laughs> so that, that's an interesting tactical angle again. And I think we're we're going to be talking about this all week, I think. And again, it's something we didn't touch on, and despite talking about it for four hours at the start of the podcast. Um, given that a, a lot of these grade ones are going to be dominated by William Gordon numerically, there will potentially be the potential for having team tactics if you will <laughs> you know if they're if Willie really, I have no uh, idea what you're suggesting the uh, and they, they they find that they're surrounding one of Gordon's I don't think there's going to be any 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 space given that doesn't have to be given mm. you know I think that's that's not something that would normally enter um, Jockey's minds I don't think in that situation but I think this week of all weeks, all the riders are going to be aware of what the stakes are and they're going to very much know who's who's on Team Gordy and, and Team Willie and uh, they'll be keeping an eye on such things and I, I'd say I wouldn't be shocked now if there's a bit of controversy about this as the week as the week goes on but the stakes are very high, it's super competitive and while this isn't technically a team sport um, there may be so, some, some aspects of that coming in uh, during the course of the week. Kevin, can you remind me very quickly of which was the horse that William Mullins got very upset about that uh, he felt that one of the Gigginstown horses had spoiled his chance? He was very annoyed. Uh, about... Min. Yeah. Min. Yeah, yeah, Christmas. But look, this works both ways too, lads. It's it's only a year ago. Don't forget the, the, the alleged uh, sharp practice that went on down at the start with LeBake 
you might recall there was there was a false start. Um, uh, there was a false start called after some some uh, what do we call it? Overly enthusiastic riders of the Willie Mullins horses. Well, some might say it was a piece start. of genius from Ruby Walsh. Others might just say it was just oh, LeBake being LeBake. You, you you can you can call it what you like, but that's that's what happened. And LeBake ended up not jumping off. And I know that certainly so some members of, of Team Gordon were not happy at all about that, and they felt that there might have been some sharp practice there. So. You know, this it, it works both ways. These are two very competitive teams, and just be aware of the possibility of all this now going into this week, because this could this could get dirty, lads. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great, though? I mean, you know, I don't want to get all Conor McGregor UFC style here and lower the tone of Punchestown because it's a great festival and there's great coverage of it, but. Wouldn't it just be brilliant if it really kicked off between the two of them? Like if they were giving <laughs> interviews. Gordon Elliott is getting a, getting a handcart and throwing it at Willie Mullins in the parade ring. And Willie Mullins at the Team Willie bus. At the Team Willie bus. <laughs> <laughs> Doing an interview with Kevin O'Ryan and just having, having about you. Do nothing. You'll do nothing. <laughs> just if it really got naughty. Uh, oh Jesus! Yeah, listen, you, can't, you can't beat Negan, lads. I don't care what what sport you're into. Everyone loves Negan. Nothing like a bit of crap. You, if you say you don't, you're lying. It's a gentleman's <laughs> sport, but let's not forget that at Royal Ascot, two men got into a brawl and one of them took his top off completely and ran around naked. So don't don't forget that it can, it can happen anywhere. Let's, let's finish this. <laughs> That's what he actually said. That's what he actually said. Oh God! A, that remains one of my favorite oh, videos. Fantastic. <laughs> It's right up there with by Calvin. Right, let's get things back on track. Um, we've got the, we've got the Latouche Cup on the Thursday as well. Is there anything else, Tony Keenan, that you want to highlight on Thursday? No, no, happy enough. All right, Kevin, for you. Um, no, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we're good. Uh, let me just briefly flick and make sure I'm not forgetting something. Um, in the bumper there, Joseph has a horse called Deloro. Oh, tell us about this one, uh, Kevin, because Joseph was talking about him today. There's, there's a bit of a bit of excitement in his voice when he talks about this horse. Oh, look, there'd be, there'd be a lot of attention on this horse anyway because he cost so much money. Mm. He was bought in February there. After winning his point to point for four hundred and ten grand, and will run in the colours of Lloyd Williams, which is which is interesting in itself. And he's just a very exciting horse. You know, he, he's he's not just next year's horse; he's two years down the line's horse. Mm. You know, that that's the type he is. Um, beautiful, beautiful horse, um, absolutely gorgeous. And if you if you go back and look at the video of his point, um, he showed great gears, and um, his jumping was great as well. So you know, a bumper is a long way from, from what his optimum set of circumstances will be, but it, it'll be fun to see him on the track now because he's, he's very, very exciting. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. And if you just listen back to what Joseph O'Brien was saying on, on the podcast, he just sounds very, very keen on him. But what's the kind of pressure there, Kevin, when you're in the... I mean, there's obviously an awful lot of expensive acquisitions there, but when you've got a horse who costs that much... I mean, he needs to win a Cheltenham Gold Cup to be able to re- repay that, but that's just the way things have gone now. But when you, well, that's it. It's impossible. Like you, you'll never, you, you'll pretty much never live up to that price tag. Yeah. 
but that's the sort of money that you have to pay and that there's more money than that being paid privately for some of these national prospects. You know, you, you can take my word on that. Mm. Um, and that's the sort of money you need to spend to get hold of the best young prospects. And while the vast majority of them will never come close to repaying that, this isn't a, an investment. Uh, this, this, they're, not, they're not spending this sort of money on this type of horse to make a profit. And they're doing so in the hope of competing at the top table. And um, like I think J.P. McManus might have said it about Garch and Petra, uh, when they win at Cheltenham, they're never expensive. Yeah. And that's the attitude that that these guys have. And while it's 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 you know it's easy uh, as an observer to say, oh, this is madness. How can they pay this sort of money? And to laugh at them when it doesn't work out. Um, it's very important for the health of the sport that there are people willing to pay what are mad sums of money. Um, for these horses because it keeps the whole thing ticking um, it's not just about rich guys spending lots of money that money goes back down through the system to point-to-point to point handlers that gets reinvested into the store horse sales that goes back to the breeders and that trickles down to farriers vets and, and, and to studs it, it, there is a real trickle down in the racing and it's yeah. important that there's guys at the top end of it willing to spend and um, what is wild money um <laughs> To, to keep the whole thing ticking. Um, so the very best of luck here, I obviously have an interest here, but not just with the lower. I, I'd always wish luck to anyone that spends that, that sort of money on, yeah. on a national hunt horse because uh, it's, a, it's a brave thing to do and, um, and good luck to them. And the whole start of the feature of this week's Final Final Podcast, Punches Down Preview, was the domination of Mullins and Elliot and how that will all play out. And for some, that's an uncomfortable subject. But when you look at how much money has been pumped into racing from this side of things, as you said that is feeding the grassroots of racing and, and that's very very badly needed so uh, the horse's name is Delauro D-L-A-U-R-O put him in your at the races tracker um, defeat at Punchestown will not preclude him from being a very very exciting racehorse and uh, we will be looking forward to him right the feature race on Friday it goes without saying is the KFM Hunter steeplechase for the Bishop Sport <laughs> Cup <laughs> I love that race I love that race <laughs> And we cannot wait. People moan about it every year. I think it's fantastic. We can't wait for this one. So, Kevin, who's been lined up for the prize of 15 grand? Oh, we don't have the entries out yet. Like, but every year there's a bet in this race, Nats. I'm telling you, it's, it's so, so uncompetitive. New. It's so uncompetitive that you, you, you can find, generally narrow it down to one or two. Well, not one, but two or three, maybe. Maybe. Can you and just... I just, think it's, I just think it's a great race. Just for <laughs> new listeners. Look, look, and, and before Tony takes the head off me now, <laughs> oh, no, it, it is no place at a grade one festival, <laughs> but I think it's fantastic. Just Can you just... For, for new listeners of the Final Front Podcast, so, uh, so our regulars have got that joke straight away. But if you're new to the podcast, can you just explain the rules of this race, please? I, I don't have them off the top of my head, but it's basically the owner of the horse has to be a farmer in the, the, the hunt district around Punchestown, basically. Um, uh, and you tend to get bad point-to-pointers in it, or the occasional um, moderate hunter chaser uh, ten, tends to win this race. Um, it's very, like, it has, it's got a great history, like, way back to the very first Punchestown Festival where they had, um, I think, the big race of the week, maybe. I was only reading about this today, um, was confined to horses owned by people in the, in the Kildare hunt district. But uh, so it's, it's a very, it's a very, we were laughing at last year, I think, Tony, but it's, it's a very funny <laughs> set of conditions when you read them out. 
but uh, <laughs> I've got this obscure enjoyment out of it over the years and I've got to continue to be a massive fan of the KFM <laughs> just just listen to that enjoyment that enthusiasm in Kevin's voice that gives you an indication of how much he loves this race I'm pretty sure it was Tony who listed off the rules of it last year and they are bonkers <laughs> they are 100% bonkers the feature race is the bet dac commission bet dac two percent commission punchestown champion hurdle grade one uh, obviously it's off at half past five and i have to say that our good friend johnny ward moves markets seven to four now sam crow seven to four he is for the punch he, champion hurdle. Six, he tipped him at six to four did he he tipped him at six to four and pushed him out uh, he put him up he put him up at five to two today and now he's seven to four so johnny ward it's changing. The idea of Johnny backing a horse that goes and drifts is starting to change, so fair play to him. Um, <laughs> don't worry, he'll be 5-1 to one of the day by the time Johnny set all his bets on. Um, Mellon is still favoured at 11-8. to eight. Tony Keenan, this is a case of the young pretender against a horse who's coming into this unproven two-mile form, a cracking run in the champion hurdle after a huge plunge on him as well on the day, and he almost got the job done, and he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for that pesky Nicky Henderson. Uh, but Sam Crow is the horse with, with um, the world of potential. The, the world is his oyster, potentially. Is he going to line up here? And if so, will he win? Um, I, if... I don't think they've a lot of choice here. I think they're nearly going to have to run Sam Crow here to, to try and get the few pound in the tank here um, for the trainers' championship. The, two, the need to go for the have a favour for the two seven five race. Um, so yeah, I think he probably will run. And I don't, I don't think there's any issue with him running. You know, people saying about what's right, what's wrong for the horse. Um, I, I don't know how you define that anyway. That's a very difficult question to answer. Um, but I don't think he'd have a massive issue with two miles. I think the most... I'm actually... Look, maybe Sam Crow's going to be like a Kauto star and he's going to be able to handle every trip. But from what I've seen from him this year, I'm not convinced that he's a three-miler. I think he's very fast. Um, I think the impressive part of his race in Leopardstown was from the second last to the last. I thought the same in Cheltenham. Um and, and against that, the final part of his race probably hasn't been overly impressive. And maybe he's idling the whole time. He's a particularly strong traveller. I don't think he'll have any issue with two miles. And I think he it might actually be his trip in time. I find it hard to see that he wouldn't go off favourite ahead of Mellon. Mel, although we're talking about Mellon, Super Sunday beating Mellon in Leperstown, like, there's no way that is Mellon's form, uh, given what he did in Cheltenham and the way the, the market went in Cheltenham. I do have a thing in, in my head about Mellon that he, he, he really likes Cheltenham. He, his three best runs of his career are arguably there. The Supreme, the Beulah and the Champion Hordle. Um, so what he's going to be like back at Punchestown, he, 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 got a, he didn't get the best ride now last year in, in an office hurdle. Ruby sort of sent him to the front a bit too soon and uh, sort of set it up a bit for silly Emery. I think the sectionals showed that at the time. So... <sighs> Yeah, to be honest, right? Like we see, the the reason why Sam Crow is, is seven to four or whatever he is now is they don't know what he's running. I think he's shorter than that if he runs. If you ask me now, you had to have a bet and a new Sam Crow. I think I'd back him at seven to four. Now he's just probably the best horse, but um, there's that doubt, obviously. So he can probably do a race around of a bet, but I don't, yeah. I don't think two miles. I would 100% agree, particularly based on what he did at the Dublin Racing Festival over this trip. Kevin Blake. So I'd agree with Tony. Like I think his his demeanour 
you know, allows him to stretch it out to two and a half. But he looks to have plenty of two mile speed for me and has done all season, to be honest. Um, I was worried about him going up to two and a half, to be honest, um, when he first did earlier this season. Um, like, th- there's going to be an awful lot goes into this decision. And I can only imagine it'll be a last second decision, well, last minute, because what happens on Tuesday could well influence this decision. Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. things go badly for Willie and, and the champion chase doesn't go as well as it seems likely to on paper, and Gordon maybe has a good day, and all of a sudden, the picture is a bit rosier for Gordon. Maybe they'll they'll take the lesser. Well, the thing is, we'll, we'll talk about the two and a half mile novice hurdle in a minute. But you know, he could potentially have a right rival in that in Lorena. Um, you know, so it's not a straightforward decision. It'd be really interesting. You know, just from a racing point of view, to see him in the champion and taking on Mellon, who's a, a right good horse. I think. Like I, I, I know if Luke about what he did last time. I, I would be happy to make the case that he could do even better than that because he just got bumped about a bit at a crucial stage and got got into the race a small bit earlier than, than Paul Townend would have liked ideally, I think. So I think he can. there's probably a couple more lengths improvement in him, um, and that would set a very high standard for, for Sam Crow to come up to. But from a racing point of view, it would be fabulous to see it. And I hope we do get to see it. I'd probably favour Mellon just because I'm always naturally inclined to go with the, the proven horse over the hype. Um, especially if, if if Sam Crow is fav, that, that would be a pretty easy decision. Um, I'd be delighted to be wrong if Sam Crow comes up to it, but I, I I'm always of the inclination to 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 go with the likes of Mellon in, in a situation like that, and um, it's it, it's it's just going to be really interesting. We're we're nattering about on Twitter earlier. I think Tony was involved. We we're trying to figure out the last novice that won this race, and we I, I without having gone into it in depth, the only one I could remember was Davaport Millennium who did the double. He, he won the two-mile novice on the Tuesday and then won the champion hurdle later in the week. That's the one. Um, back, in, back in 2002, I think the following year, back in front, attempted the same, the same double. He won the supreme novice. He won the, the two-mile novice at Punchestown and try. He was odds-on to win the champion. And some yoke called Kazar beat him, which was, I, was heartbro- <laughs> I was heartbroken about at the time. I was a big back-and-front fan. So was I. And, um, and we've, we've had a few that have attempted it, like, like Tony mentioned, Don Gwib. Um, and there was there was a couple. Lebeek sort of half attempted it last year, I suppose you could say. Yeah, and Lebeek like like Dunguib went off Fav, and once Lebeek jumped off, he was trading at a very short price. Um, you know, because obviously <laughs> the the fact that he might not jump off was was built into his well, ST. Was, was he not very well back on the day? You know, did he open up twelve or fourteen to one that morning? I'm gonna check what price he went off. Because I haven't had he went off very short last year. I know he definitely went short. No. Yo, he went. He went off very short. Eleven to two, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and he went off significantly shorter than that. Even once he consented to jump off, so, um, like, I, like I think that the, the novice thing can be can be overplayed a bit at this stage of the season. You know, they've had, like, at the end of the day, um, bear with me here, and I'll give you the exact numbers. But Mellon won't have had too many more runs over hurdles than Sam Crow. It's probably something like seven to seven to four or five. Isn't They're it? the same age, Kevin. Um, they're the same age and their experience levels would be would be very similar. I'd say, let me just have it right here. Hold on. Mellon has had seven runs over hurdles, whereas um, Jesus himself has had has had four. You know, so it's not it's not a huge difference. Um, you know, you could, and the novice is a label really, and that's all it is. You know, Mellon only had two runs as a novice. 
Um, so there's there's no reason why it can't happen and, and, and why Sam Crow can't go and do it. But he just has to prove that he's that good because Melon is, is a champion hurdle horse. He's rated 164. I think he could be a high 160s horse once everything falls right for him. And Sam Crow's got to come up. He's rated 158. That rating is perhaps not quite as solid uh, as Melon's. Um, but he's got to step up into this class and show it. And it wouldn't surprise me if he could do it. But if he goes at five, I'd be with Mellon. And like I say, I'd be happy to be wrong. But I, I hope it happens because that, that would be a really fun race and really informative. Well, if that happens, it's going to be most likely because the championship, the trainer's championship is still very much on. It's still very much there to play for. Because if, if the trainer's championship is done, if, if Willie's had a great week, then what's the point of running him? Unless you're trying to learn what you're going to do with him next season. So well, the, uh, the, the only thing like there'll be 48 hour decks for this they'll be decking for this on Wednesday morning so mm. that they'll only have had one day's racing and if if everything's gone right for Willie the Gigginstown and, and Gordon team might think right we might we might just have to run him here and, and that's not the, quite the last throw of the dice but you know they, they'll need it whereas if things go wrong for Willie on the first day they can say right we, he'll be even money odds on for, for 100 grand grade one uh, and the novice race we'll go for that instead and you know i think that those those are all the things that'll be floating around in their mind you know it's just it, it's going to be a really exciting week in that front because it's yeah. just these aren't just normal decisions there there's that underlying narrative of, of the trainers championship that, that that is going to have a say in pretty much every declaration decision that's made for those two teams this week um, I can't wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. Uh, you were talking about the champion novice hurdle, which of course could have uh, Sam Crow running as well. That race is live on other races at five past six. Uh, Tony Keenan, take it away. Well, if maybe as I'm trying to make the case that Sam Crow runs in the champion hurdle, it would leave Lorena a very short price and not really much in the way of meaningful opposition it would be she's to be hard even to pick out what would be the what would be the second family palisade or something like that Oof. yeah yeah he, he, he jets it it would be down to, to something like that so yeah that that would that would be a fairly although look at if sam Grand arena racing it's a magnificent race oh if yeah it's one or the other it's one or the other turning up it's, it's probably not much of a race yeah kevin for you the, it's it's basically a match bet if they both turn up um, but if if not, this race has been handed to Lorena, surely. Yeah, you'd imagine so. You'd imagine so. Next destination could potentially run here, but I'd say he's probably more likely for the three-miler. Hmm. But uh, I, I'd just be excited to see Lorena again. Um, I think she's very good. You know, she has a share of options herself. And, um, yeah, just uh, I'd just be really interested to see what turns up here. And um, Lorena, I've made no secret of the, the regard I hold her in. I'll be really excited to see her out again. Yeah, and the feature race on the Saturday as things change around goes off at 3.50, again live on ATR. It is the Annie Power Mares Champion Hurdle, and Apple's Jade is currently heading the betting. Um, Kevin, the point that you were making about her going into the Cheltenham Festival is that she's developed this tendency to jump out to her right you're also making the point that she was coming into that race at Cheltenham without the benefit of a prep run and that that concerned you. And all that came to fruition, really. But on the back of that run at Cheltenham, can she now turn things around uh, with her conqueror? Yeah, no, I, I'd strongly fancy her to do that, to do just that. I, I think it was a, you know, we we're making the case against her at Cheltenham, but I think that was a real perfect storm of circumstances that got her beat. Um, it was the jumping right. It was the... 
the longer than, than ideal time between her two runs. You know, uh, I still haven't got it confirmed, but there was chat afterwards that she turned that she was in season. I think that was reported publicly. It was um, at, at the times. You know, I saw it, and you know, Jack just got in a fight with her. He just got in a fight with her, and it just didn't show her the best effect. And you know, I think with the glorious benefit of hindsight now a couple of years down the line we'd all be looking back on this going how in the name of God did she get beat that day mm-hmm. because I think she could show in this race now on Saturday that she's a fair bit better than, than Benny the Joe um, that's that's would be my thinking on it now I think she'll be very very tough to beat alright that is Kevin Blake's take on it for you Tony yeah no, I, I would echo that I, I would just like to see it confirmed that, that she was in season because if that's the case it's a very genuine excuse and yeah I think she's a better horse than, than many this year um, but I would like confirmation yeah this, because of this battle between Elias and Mullins we're getting odds against about her and like I would be fairly confident that she would beat Benny Didua, uh, that she'd turn that form around, but it's, it's just going to be fascinating. Um, the other race that is going to be fascinating is off at 425, and it's a rematch of the Triumph Hurdle. Stormy Ireland blazed a trail that day and then took that awful tumble at the last. Thankfully, there was a huge roar when she got up uh, safe and sound, so she'll be a fascinating contender. But of course, for Gordon, it's Farclaw. Uh, for Willie Mullins, it's Mr. Adjudicator. Uh, the Irish juveniles look to be some way ahead of the UK ones. I see Radishian is still entered for Alan King. You were a big fan of uh, the Irish form going into Cheltenham, Tony Keenan, and you were vindicated. How is it going to play out this time around? Can Mr. Adjudicator get one back, or is Farclaw going to confirm his superiority over him from Cheltenham? Um, probably slightly favour Mr. Adjudicator. I'd like to see a bit more on the, in the in the price discrepancy. I think Farclass probably more of a stay up. I think he'd be better over two and a half um, in time. I don't know that Mr. Adjudicator um, will get much more than two miles. He is by he is by a sprinter after all. Mm. Um, and just the way he travelled in the race the last day, uh, this track might see him to better effect. Though I, I am interested to ask Kevin, Kevin at a, at a radio stable too, very good as usual. And But one horse that was really interesting was what Willie said about Stormy Ireland. Um, I'll just read this out to you. He was disapp- I was disappointed with her at Cheltenham. I think she's a big engine and can do better than that. Now, I thought she ran an absolute screamer, to be honest, of her, of her, of her less than ideal preparation. She was way too keen. She's still there at the last look. She's not going to win it uh, the way how she's raced, but I thought it was a magnificent run, and he's disappointed in her now. So, Jesus, <laughs> she must be flying at home, judging on that. You know, that was my takeaway as well, to be honest, Tony. It surprised me a bit. And, and while, you know, I, I couldn't quote it, you know, it was it was... He didn't say it, but I, I strongly got the impression that he felt that she might have been seeing the better effect, being giving, be, be given her head. I think Noel got in a bit of a fight with her, and I think Willie was a bit frustrated that that she she wasn't allowed to stride on, um, because we, we saw what she did at Fairy House when when she was let stride on. Um, I know totally different circumstances, um, a very much more competitive race at Cheltenham, but I suspect she'll be given. Uh, she she'll be she'll be in front and in front by a way I'd say on Saturday will be my reading of and I could be totally wrong like I say he didn't say that but that was just me reading between the lines of what he did say um, and I, I I do think he thinks she she's very good and you know uh, we, we we spoke about it after Christmas even you know and in, in when we're all in, in Willie's there um, prior to the, the Dublin Racing Festival you know he was pretty adamant at the time that Stormy Ireland was his best juvenile. 
And to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if he still thinks the same thing. He didn't say that. But again, just reading between the lines, um, I wouldn't be surprised in, in, in his own mind if that's what he's thinking. And he, yeah. and he's, he did say she was very sore after Cheltenham, um, but she has, she has recovered well. Yeah, I, I can call with that. Um, that was my reading of it between the lines. Again, you have to remember as well that there was a lot of money for her in Cheltenham as well. You know, it, it, despite it, there was, a, there was obviously the massive punt on Apple Shakira. She was well, but this Stormy Ireland was back from 14 to 2 into 92. And, and as I said, I thought she had the, the mother and father of horrible preparations for the meeting, um, not having had a run since Fairy House. So, yeah, she, on that angle alone, she would be interesting to me. And just thinking back, there have been a few horses now that have gone off and made all in this race. I remember Barazan did it way back. And uh, I'd say a busy year he won it, was, was definitely up with the pace the whole thing. That, that sort of, as, you, as we were saying before, that, uh, that old tight horse track, it can suit a front runner uh, and they can get away from them. Um, mm. I don't, I'm, so I'm not sort of convinced that Farclad would be, would be totally suited to be this track. Um, May well be the best horse in time, but, but not, not so sure about him at this track. Yeah, and she's she's not overly big now, and she'll zip around there. It's a, mm. um, and I and I'm a big fan of Farclan. I really like what he did at Cheltenham, but yeah, I'd be inclined to think he's probably more of a stayer in the making. I, as much as I like him, I definitely prefer him to Mister Adjudicator. I think he he's improved past him now, and I don't think Mister Adjudicator is going to beat him again, bar something odd happens. Um, but I think Stormy Arden is definitely the, the the potential joker in the pack there, and I know you're you're not getting a massive price for your trouble. I mean, you could definitely argue that she could, she should be maybe a little bit bigger than she is. Um, but I, I could definitely see the case. I wouldn't be shocked now if we saw a fair chunk of improvement from her. You wouldn't also be too surprised, Kevin, if she went off being the Willie Mullins first string, that it's Paul Townend who rides her. Yeah, could, could easily be. Mm. Could easily be. Yeah, and of course, a horse that Ruby Walsh is talking up quite a bit as well. Right, that is our preview of the Saturday. Anything else, Tony, that is on your mind for that day, for the final day of Punchestown 2018? No, no, nothing else. Okay, Kevin? No, no, we'll wait till we see the, the full entries now on Tuesday, but uh, really looking forward to this week now. It's always a great week, but the last, like, I can't I can't emphasise enough, like, the, the, the feeling around the place. I was there all week last year. And the, the feeling all week, you know, what the trade, the battle in the trainers championship brought to the meeting was just fabulous. Yeah. It, it was just, it was great. Punchestown there for a few years, just, it, it ended up being the show after the show. You know, the Cheltenham winners came and they, they, they cantered around their fives on. And it was always nice to see good horses. But this is, this is just a different class of show. What we got last year and what we're promising to get this year. This, it, like on paper, this looks like the best Punchestown festival ever to me. I, I was actually <laughs> going to say that. Life, certainly and in I, my lifetime. I was going to say that at the top of the show, and I was afraid that I would be overhyping things if I did, but it does look like that, though, Kevin. The strength and depth is just, like, not just from, from Mullins and Elliot, but they are the ones who are leading this. But when you look at, at, um, at, at the Null Meat horses and you look at that Super Sunday coming back, like, there's so much strength and depth there. There's so much to be excited about. There's a lot to like here. Road to Respect's going to be a big star uh, as well. Yeah, and just something now, uh, just a warning shot. I would fire that while um, it looks brilliant and the great depth on paper, and there clearly is. You know, there's many a fella has gone absolutely skinned from from oh. assuming uh, Cheltenham at Aintree Farm will be reproduced at Punchestown. It's not an easy thing to do. There's an awful lot of horses coming in here off the back of tougher than usual schedules. 
And uh, it's an absolute certainty that there will be some short price blowouts uh, this coming week. Um, So it's not, it won't, uh, as exciting as it is on paper, as a general piece of advice, I don't think it's a meeting that that you want to be going in blasting on short price fabs that that only need to seemingly uh, show their form to win. I think it's a week for for your bit of, for being a bit creative and looking at bigger prices because there will be a fair few farm horses that that, that aren't at their very best here and can be a bit vulnerable. Well, both of you (laughs) write for the, sorry, sorry, just to say that both of you write for the Cheltenham Festival betting guide, which then spins off into the Intree betting guide and the the Punchestown betting guide. And uh, yeah, nice plug for both of you. And Lydia Hislop as well, who will be back in the podcast very, very soon. and the point I wanted to make is that one of the things that I like to do is always look back at the results of last year's Cheltenham Festival. And it's not from a trends perspective. It's just to remind me that, oh, yeah, the market and maybe I thought that horse was close to a certainty and it got chinned. And, and it's the same thing for Punchestown as well. I always look back at, at the previous festival and just remind myself that, yeah, we're kind of getting a bit carried away with that horse and it didn't go to plan. And that can happen. And you look back at Punchestown's results last year and there's a number of them where the market had spoken very heavily in favor of certain horses with high profiles who have gone on to good things since, but Punchestown got the better of them. No, uh, the, the other point I was just going to add, yeah, you have to also bear in mind that, well, there's two things. First of all, there's been an extra festival this year at Leopardstown where the races, a lot of them were run at very strong gallops. They were proper races, deep races, not odds on pokes getting a, st- a stroll around, but maybe in previous years the worst. That's important. And the other thing is, all of the races have been run on soft ground this year. Yes. Almost almost across the board. So that would add more fuel to the fire with what Kevin is saying that you know, maybe some of these short ones probably not ones to steam into and to maybe take a chance uh, a couple of horses maybe the, maybe the fresher ones of prices that have to find a bit of improvement or, or that. Yeah. It's a great shout. Let's get best bets from the team for the week. So as we have discussed so far so Tony Keenan you can lead the way uh, we'll go for your your best bet of the meeting and your best value bet as things stand for punches down. Um, I said I'd go to Tony first of all because I knew Kevin would be like, "What? <laughs> what? A best bet on a betting preview? What are you talking about?" Um, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll go with identity thief now at the minute. I, I do think that I just think that's a phrase that. that doesn't really stand up when you start. It's because he's a bit of a late addition to the field. I suppose the market, he, like before he ran it in, so he, he, sure he was 25, 50s, he was any price for this yeah. because he, he wasn't running and sure he had run nowhere near the level. Uh, the market was been framed around Penn Hill and, and a couple of other Mullins horses. So I, I think that seven, six or seven to one there is on the big side um, of the rest. I, I sort of, yeah, jury duty, I suppose, uh, looks a little bit overpriced there at 20s. Uh, I'll take a chance on him. Tony King and bringing the value with Identity Thief and Jury Duty as his two best plays for the week. Kevin Blake? The banker's apple jade. Absolutely no question, no doubt. Up and down the lines with apple jade. Up and the tell shake mode to have his max. Up and down the line. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's my, what's my value? What is my value? I can't read your mind, Kevin. Da, 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 da. Well, you, you give yours there, Emmett, and I'll come back to me for my value. Oh, dearie me. Um, I really ooh, like... ooh, ooh, you, you hardly think you weren't going to be asked. <laughs> <are you? laughs> 
Checkmate. Checkmate. Touche. Oh, Cheney, he says. Uh, well, obviously, the value bet is foot pad. I mean, you can... <laughs> uh, I really like Ballyward. If he goes for um, if he goes for the, the staying novice hurdle, I would back him. I think he's about an eight to one shot, and I'm very keen on Stormy Ireland, so they would be my two. I'll just give next destination, you know, because I'm just struggling to... to I'll be picking away now at kind of picky ones at, at 20 to 1 all week, but I wouldn't like to single out one just because a few that I have in mind now are, you know, they're in multiple entries and everything else. Yeah. Um, it, like, if you, wanted me, if you wanted me to give a scumbag bet of the week, it would oh, probably it. be Dr. Fe- Dr. Phoenix each way. Okay. Yeah. Um, I could see... I, I'd struggle to see him um, out of the frame. Well, no, is that... It's, uh, there's a really interesting shape to that race, though, Kevin, is it? Because we talked about the tactics of it and how it could all play out, and you know, something's going to tell us more is probably going to take on Duvan for the lead, and he's not uh, sorry going to take on Underso for the lead, and Underso is not going to have his ground, and you know, what price is Duvan going to be? You know, like both Min and Underso now have a fairly busy campaigns as well. Yeah, you know, that, that's in the mix. That's in the mix too. That's a good show. Underso is made of titanium, though he's fine. The Iron Horse. Titanium horse. Yeah. Um, ah, Sharjah, I'll put up as my value. Okay. 20s in the uh, yeah. two-mile novice hurdle. That's a good shout, that. Um, still intrigued about this Fizian de Floss, but there was so much talk about Sharjah at the start of the season, and it seemed as though that he was very much the one that, that, that they liked, but I, I wonder if... Tony's made a really good point there earlier on that perhaps Just on, on Colin Tizard horses um, I know he's had good success now at, at coming over to Punchestown with these horses that have run at entry but I, th- I do think you have to bear in mind that Cheltenham is, is the key meeting William Gordon just had no interest in the entry so those races are, are substandard that's a good point what they're going to be facing this week hmm. um, I, I just I just it was nearly an also runs meeting in, in, in some sense. Like just when the two buy it, when the big the big two don't take part, that's what you have. And when they did take part, they dominated the Grand National. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a very fair point. Okay, that is our look at the Punchestown Festival, an in-depth look in the company of Tony Keenan and Kevin Blake. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. There is some excellent content available for you on attheraces.com, particularly with the Punchestown microsite. So uh, check that out. There is also a in-depth stable tour, as alluded to by uh, Tony Keenan, uh, done by the esteemed Kevin Blake with Willie Mullins. Uh, will he be able to retain his title or will it be snatched by Gordon Elliott? He has certainly worked hard enough for it. He's won an Irish Grand National an Aintree Grand National. He's been leading trainer at the Cheltenham Festival. Will he be champion trainer of Ireland or will it be a 12th title for Willie Mullins? Kevin Blake? Willie Mullins, I think. Tony Keenan? Oh, just to be different, I'd say Gordon Elliott. Willie Mullins. Just just to be different, going with the Fav. I'm going to go with the 7-4 to four on Fav, just to be different. Um, <laughs> but, uh, life, life is good when you're being different with a 7-4 on Fav. I like the way you just subtly threw it in there as well, like we wouldn't notice. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Dad. Yeah, I lump on the favourite here, to be different. Um, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you as always, uh, Tony Keenan. Great having you back on the show. Um, for those who, who wonder... 
why is Tony not on as much? Tony's just an extremely busy man uh, with his professional life and um, uh, he, he's doing a lot of good work as well. So uh, fair play to you for coming on, Tony. Hopefully we'll get you back on over the summer. We know that you're a big flat man. You've written an extensive preview for GG's as well. So you can check that out if you want your flat fixed from Tony. And, uh, and we will chat to you again very soon, my good friend. And hopefully you can enjoy the Punchestown Festival. Uh, Kevin, are you getting to go to Punchestown? You're working there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm working there Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, really looking forward to that. And I just, I better mention it now because it will be the talk of this podcast once it goes out. Those that uh, were so enthusiastically bought the minutes on mention of, of diesel laundering have, have taken an absolute clipping. Oh. An absolute clipping. Their accounts have been emptied. Um, but but as as Tony said on Twitter, I think that joke has largely run its course. So there's always scope for these things to make a comeback. Lads, but, uh, literally, uh, you, you wouldn't believe that the, the Monaghan Stages Rally is outside my house today. This is not. This is actually not a joke. I I, I have not been able to get out of the house today. The road has been closed off all day. They finished off about an hour or two ago. So I've been listening to this burr, burr, uh, 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 all evening. It's, it's really crazy. So I've actually moved houses in the last six months or so, and I was saying this is going to be mad, but thank God they finished up and, and let us get a clear run. We could actually talk race. And the other, <laughs> the other thing is, to be fair, because we've been interrupted so many times by trucks going up and down the road and all that kind of scrambler stuff. Scrambler bikes. And, and, and the scrambler bikes, obviously, as well, do, doing their thing uh, in, in and around the border territories, uh, which, which may or may not be, be allowed to be broadcast. But... You you tweeted this out as an advanced warning because you're like oh, I'm going to get stitched up here again. It's just going to be the same old thing, and then it didn't happen. I told no, you, was, I I tell you what, Tony, a cynical man would say that was just a blatant ramp out of you. You, you <laughs> ramped it. You 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 you, you, you mentioned it. Uh, it with a view to driving a market move to buy the minutes for a mention of diesel laundry, and, and you've sold you've sold it all day long. You've made a fortune here, Keenan. Yeah, yeah. Much needed with my current tipping record, Kevin. I need it. <laughs> uh, all's fair and love and betting. Absolutely. Listen, if you if you got to pull a few stunts to make a few quid, sure, look, what can you do? Um, I'm looking forward to reviewing Punchestown. Looking forward to looking ahead to the Guineas as well. And we're also going to look, look ahead to the Kentucky Derby because there's a certain horse by the name of Mendelssohn who will be interesting. So uh, we'll be recruiting an elite American expert onto the podcast to talk about that as well. Uh, that's all to come. Did you, did you hear Did you hear John Velasquez was confirmed for the ride? <laughs> for a second. I, I was going to, I was going to go, I was going to go, not again, not again. There's not a hope. Oh, did you hear that? There's man? not a hope in hell. But do you know what I was thinking today, Kev? And, and it's just, it's bizarre that, that you would say that because I was, I was thinking about the 2000 guineas today and how the whole market's going to play out. And I believe there's been a, a drift on, um, on Saxon Warrior, whether or not you can believe that. Uh, but, but there has been. And I was just running the race in my mind today. I was thinking, Yep, US Navy flag. Out he goes, makes all the running. Gustav Klimt just gets chinned. And how much I'll enjoy that. How much I'll enjoy it when, when he wins and just hold it over you on every single podcast for about a month. Oh, stop. Um, Ryan Moore does go to Kentucky. Let's not be sending out false news. The fake news. Is that, is that, has it actually genuinely, all joking aside, has it actually been confirmed yet? No. I, I would imagine the only reason that hasn't been is in the unlikely event that something happens to him and he's not able to run. But as far as the perception seems to be that Ryan Moore will definitely be in Kentucky. Is it? 
But is this is that based on anything actually factual other, other than your opinion? No, it's not based because <laughs> you're a div- you're a devil for saying these things now, and it's just your opinion. How <laughs> dare you, Kevin Blake? How dare you insinuate <laughs> such things? No, this is this is based on on information. So, what hey, listen, hey, listen, you're closer to the source than I am. Tell us, tell us what you've heard. You tell us. Tell us what you've heard. Are you are you saying that, that Ryan is staying at staying in in the UK? That it's all yeah, that he's would, that he's ju- that he's decided that he's going to jump on board the mighty U.S. Navy flag and that's who he's going to ride in the guineas. <laughs> I wouldn't be asking about such things, but he'd be told where to go. This notion that he gets a choice, I think, is is yeah. very much overplayed. And I'd say he'll be told to go to Kentucky, but we'll see. Oh, he probably will, probably we'll will be, probably will be. Yeah. But you had me for a second, Kev. I will say that. <laughs> I was, I was, I was trying to get onto the blood horse after you. Go, no, 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 no. Um, so to be fair, you, you did, you did have me. Well played, touche, my friend, touche. Uh, right, that is it. We are done for this week. Enjoy Punchestown every single race live on at the races. Uh, a top team to preview it as well and make sure you check out at the obviously we're biased but there is some fantastic content there uh, from the race cards right through to trends analysis uh, Kevin Blake's previews Kevin you've done a, a preview of the declaration so far as well so that's very much worth checking out too yeah just just doing previews based on the entries as, as they're made available okay um, that, and that's it yeah worth a read hopefully yeah and our good friend Tony Keenan is available on the tweet machine at Racing Trends you can ask him anything he's got nothing else to do but answer your questions <laughs> all day long <laughs> <laughs> and he loves them More and he loves them better. he loves it when you ask detailed questions uh, and then you have follow up questions as well that's what Racing Trends really loves uh, Tony and he, thanks and lads if he, do, if he doesn't reply he probably just did, didn't catch it so send it again send it again <laughs> yeah yeah, and then and then yeah. if he doesn't reply the third time, just have a go at him and say, "This what a douche! What a douche this guy is! What a jerk this guy is! He doesn't take the time to respond to my tweets." Are, are we are we in San Francisco all of a sudden? Douche! <laughs> we're back. We're back in San Francisco in 1996. What a jerk that guy is! He won't respond to my tweets. Uh, thanks so much. Ken, Ken, hashtag Kennedy's Americanisms. Also, can we get hashtag Team Willie for Vanessa Ryle trending? <laughs> Team, is it Team Elliot and hashtag Team Willie? Oh, well, Kevin said it enough times in the podcast, so I think we can try and get that going. Enjoy Punchestown. Thank you so much for the kind words on social media during the week as well. From Tony Keenan. Good luck and have a good Punchestown. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Amos Kennedy, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great Punchestown. It's all live on ATR. It should be fantastic. We'll talk to you again very, very soon in the final Fallen podcast. God bless. Go on, you go cook the dinner. Well done, great, great winner, and hopefully maybe um, he, he, she might get to Royal Alaska. So that'd be that'd be that'd better. be grand, yeah. <laughs> you, you could live with that, is the same. That's it, yeah. Dust off the old top hat. What Tony Keenan is alluding to is the success of Kevin Blake's bread colt for Richard Hannon. First time up, Kevin Blake, another winner from your mighty mare. Yeah, great drill now, mighty drill. Um, Hua Hin. Uh, he's called, which is a place in Thailand, I believe. Um, and yeah, as was to some boys now, he, he was a fellow. I was very, um, uh, I was very sweet on him now all along, and I uh, kept him here until he was a yearling. So he was here for for longer. Than most of them would be here. Uh, we had we had good old crack and a bit of drama with him along the way. Now, so he's got a bit of a story that came with him. So it was great to get him into a yard like Hannon's and. Um, got a good report on him about a month ago and another good report about two weeks ago but reports are reports they have to go and do it and mm. um, I believe they were very concerned about the ground it was softer than ideal but they but they took a chance 
and um, and he won. I was impressed with him. He was green. He was idle. I thought. And you watch him move. He's a very fluent, moving, long striding horse. And I'd say he'd be um, quite a bit better on a, on a sounder surface. And there was um, there was great excitement. And as you well know, Kennedy, I'm not one to get excited now, but there was great excitement here all all yesterday evening because. Uh, um, I'm not a stressy fella. I'm not a fella that gets worked up. And pretty much the only thing that gets me worked up in the world now is um, is dealing with mares and foals and yearlings because I spend an awful lot of my days worrying about them and fussing mm. about them and trying to do things right and then uh, imagining disastrous scenarios in my head and then going out and trying to prevent them, any possibility of them happening. That's kind of how I occupy my spare time, which is a bit sad. But uh, though I put, put an awful lot goes into them when you get um when you get a result and look at it's it's only a, a novice stakes but it doesn't matter when you're a small breeder um having a having a winner is fantastic and having a winner that could potentially go on and maybe you know long way to go but maybe could be a stakes horse uh it's some buzz now and that that'll keep me sweet for 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 a good while yet and he's a and half like, to the mighty george bone yeah yeah the mayor she she's some mayor like she i i bought her for for 8 grand Sterling. She was entered in the cellar. She couldn't get out of her own way as a racehorse, but she she had a smashing sprint pedigree, and that sort of money was all I could afford at the time. And I rang her owner, uh, Chris Mills, who's developed that whole family and did did a brilliant job with it. And she was in for six grand. He sold her to me for eight, and um, and she's had five runners, five winners, four of them have won a two, you know, horse rate of the hundred and hundred and seven or eight horse rate of the hundred horse rate of 90 you know the she's just been phenomenal she's thrown you know she throws good she throws good sales horses good mm. looking good walking very temperamentally sound horses she's just an absolute like the amount of, of real good breeders that are, that have come up to me over the last few years and you know, i said like geez that that is some mare to have um, and she really is you know she's um um there's been a lot of kind of improvements and, and and different things done around the place here in the last few years and she's paying for everything she's paying for everything she's quite literally changed the face of the place here um and she she lives like a queen here because she she's she's a queen around here she's my she's very much my urban sea uh, <laughs> she's she's um she gets more attention than d at times and, and i think it's was there another quote from from d yesterday saying i hope someday i can make you as happy as rekindling well no d d got excited as well like she's she's been around now long enough to see this fella being born and um she there was a very funny thing last year he he got he had got a bit of a knock there in the middle of last summer and he needed a couple of weeks box rest and um I had to go over to um, to ATR, I think, for a few days, and I like I hate leaving the horses, to be honest, at any time really. Mm. Uh, and he, he he's he's a colt, and he's quite a bulky fella now. He's hardy, um, and when anyone that, that deals with colts, especially when 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 they're on box rest, they want to be out and running around and fighting and acting the Mickey. And when you put them on box rest for a few weeks, they they can get very wound up. And uh, he got quite aggressive in his box now, and I, I, I know I knew how to deal with him. I could go in and deal with him, but um, feeding him, he get, get very excited at feeding time. <laughs> and when I was gone for the few days, the the, the fella did the, the fella that I'd normally get to get around to to help out while I'm while I'm gone wasn't around. 
Um, so we, we came up with, with a situation I didn't really want my father or, or D going into him because, he, you know, he'd he, he hurt you. Like, you know, it's, that's just the way they get when they're on box rest. So we came up with, 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 with what was called Operation Airdrop. And we, <laughs> we, put, we, put a, we, put, we put a ladder up in the, in the stable next door, a ladder, and they, they'd climb up the ladder and throw the feed into the feed pot over the top of the wall. <laughs> To to prevent anybody getting killed. Oh man! <laughs> so yeah, I know that that horse. Now he was the apple of my eye for a long time now because I've been I've been very sweet on the sire dandy man for a long time. And, yeah. And um, that that cross, the dandy man oasis stream cross, has, has worked extremely well. The true extortionist. I think there's only ever been. I think he might have been the fifth runner by dandy man out of an oasis stream mare. And I'm pre- if it, if it wasn't the fifth, it was the fourth. One of them was extortionist, and all the rest have have won a two. Um, you know, it, it's a cross that works. I just, I always felt he was one that could, that could click in the sales ring, and he, he made a great price as a yearling. And um, yeah, I, look, I, you try not to get attached to them because you know they're going to be moved on. You know, I can't, I can't be putting horses in training. You know, I, I breed to sell, but hmm. you, 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 you can't help but get a bit attached to them. And um, yeah, he was, he was one I was very fond of. So it's, it's great now to see him do that. Um, George Bowen managed to win first time out as well, and. Uh, yeah. uh, it's just a great and I'm rambling on and people might say oh geez that's he didn't win the derby relax like, no. like I say when you're, when you're a small breeder playing a, you know eight grand mare five grand cover you know statistically the chance of have, of, of breeding something that wins a two it, it's, it's way smaller than you'd probably think it's it, statistically it, it, the, the odds aren't in your favour so no. when you get one to come out and win first time um, at this time of the year is uh, it's just like I say, and I'm rambling because I'm just really happy about it. It was it was just very something that I got a lot of satisfaction out of. But I'm glad you're rambling, Kevin, um, because the thing is, you've mentioned this horse number of a number of times on the podcast, and so regular listeners will will be familiar with the story. And you've talked about the fact that you're very keen on Dandy Man, and you've mentioned um, some of the stories of this colour. Was he the one who managed to to crawl under the fence somehow? Yeah, geez, it's a long. It's, it's, if I tell, if I told the whole story, it's long anyway. But I won't tell the whole thing. But last September, um, no, it was last. When was it? It would have been about. Uh, sep- sorry, September twelve months ago. I was up at the Curra. Beautiful day, so I, I left the foals out. He, he was turned out in the field with another, with another colt. They're not long weaned, and they're out, out in the field by themselves. So I turned them out in the morning. Planned to come back from the races, put them back in. Came back from the races. Uh, myself and D were at the race, so we came up, and, <laughs> and um, I was changing out of the suit to, to go in and bring the horses in. And D runs into the runs into the bedroom and grabs a little pair of binoculars that I have because out, out the bedroom window I can see all the paddocks, and I'm often looking down the paddocks in case you know if something's going on or what have you. And she runs in, grabs the binoculars, and runs out again, which is kind of an odd thing to do. And I kind of oh, all right there. She's like, "I'm telling you in a minute," <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And she'd she'd spotted out the back window that um, the colt that's now known as Hua Hin was on the wrong side of the post and rail fence. He was in between the post and rail and the hedge. And there was like normally if they've made their way out there, they've bust through it or or jumped it or done something bananas. And like he's a foal, you know, he's not a fully grown horse. So they they don't be jumping over <laughs> over fences really. So he sprinted out anyway. And then I got under the fence and got hold of him. And he, he'd been there, I'd say, for maybe half an hour. He, there was, he, he had the ground a bit ripped up there where he was standing. But he was just sensible enough to not do anything stupid. He just stood there. Mm. 
Um, and we don't know what happened to this day now, but I'm 99% sure he was rolling beside it and he managed to kind of get, there's about a, a two foot gap, not even, I'd say a foot and a half. And he's managed to kind of wedge himself under it. And in all the wiggling, he's come up on the wrong side, which is like a, a million to one shot, uh, I'd imagine, statistically, uh, for that to happen. But thankfully, we, we, we got there good and quick. I held him there and my, my father came up along and he we we cut the wire on the top of the post and rail. We hammered, we hammered off the rails and were able to walk him out. And he was fine. He had a couple of scratches here and there and he was a bit sore um, the following morning, but no, nothing lasting. Um, and yeah, like the horses just do funny things. Yeah, like gee, like you, you'll remember there at Aintree there a few weeks ago. I, I got a call when I was at Aintree a year and had jumped out of a paddock. I didn't want to mention um, this because I didn't think it was fair. But yeah, you, you, because you were you were saying earlier how worked up you get about horses, and we were in the media center, and yeah, you, you, you got a bit of a fright. Yeah, like she, she jumped out. She's fine, hundred percent, but horses can just do funny things and like i say you know, I, I obsess over making everything as safe uh, and to reduce the possibility of anything avoidable happening like honest to god I, it is an obsession like if i walked around around the farm here and showed you various things that, that i've done over the years to, to kind of prevent million to one chances happening and then you get a year and it just jumps over jumps clean over a, a four and a half foot fence it's um it's just mad like thankfully thankfully she's fine um but horses it, that's the thing like they just drive you nuts <laughs> they drive you nuts but days like yesterday now kind of make it all worthwhile absolutely and uh, we went out went out there with Dean uh, with my mother Fadra with a couple of drinks to toast us and it's just it's 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 uh, they're they're sweet old things like I say like people say what are you going on about you've only won a little two year old race but um, it's 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 special now and that's kind of what keeps the whole thing ticking yeah. but you, you're not cool more Kevin you know you're you're um, with the greatest respect you're a small time breeder just to elaborate on how much detail you go into the, the last time I was staying with you is when we were off to Aintree and as we were heading off that morning you noticed that a branch was out of place and you you were ringing your dad when we got to the airport to make sure that, that branch was was taken care of like that's the detail that that you go into um no that's that's one of the things i'm paranoid about is low-hanging branches yeah. so if, you, if, you, if you if you're ever driving through my neck of the woods and golden you look in i've stripped all the branches down at head height they're all gone so these trees look really funny that, that this big long this big long um um big long what's the word i'm looking for um the, the the trunk big long trunk with, with no branches going up to about to, to very high so that they basically there's basically there's no possibility of them running by that tree and getting poked in the eye million to one chance again but that that morning i just happened to notice that one of the one of the low hanging branches had broken the wind and was hanging down and um like that's it like that nobody worries about that sort of stuff i don't i think i'm pretty much the only father that worries about things to that, to that extent but that's just me <laughs> because i i would never forgive myself if if the million to one chance came off and a horse ran up and and knocked out their eye off a low hanging branch, I just never forgive myself. So I just find it easier to to walk around and uh, walk around fields picking up stones and filling in any any holes that rabbits might have dug or, or cutting branches and stuff like that. Just just to reduce the possibility of something odd happening. Because when you hang around horses enough and you see the things that can happen. Um, I just think you're not doing the job right if, if you're not trying to reduce the possibility of these things happening. Well, for anybody um, who wonders about the love and the affection that there is for horses in this fantastic game of ours, 
there you have it. Uh, can I also just say that producer D has that horse, the foal who won yet, the foal called to one yesterday as her screensaver on her iPhone. Um, <laughs> and also go to Kevin's Twitter and have a look. If you haven't seen it yet, have a look at the video of him running around. What, what age was he, Kevin? I think, I, think, uh, I think he was four days old at the time. Four yeah. days yeah. old and he running around like a running around thing to quote Kevin Blake. Um, it was just a, it's a great video. And, um, one of the reasons that we started this podcast all them years ago, back in 19 dickety do is our love of horse racing. And the fact that you were able to give our very loyal audience an insight into your operations and how you do things and the, the inner workings of, of what you do. And then that horse being transferred to Richard Hannon and now succeeding. Who knows where he will go from here, but hopefully it'll be Royal Ascot. And if he does do something for you, it'll be remarkable. But just that win alone gives so much satisfaction. And I'm incredibly proud of you. I know our listeners will be incredibly proud of you and delighted for you as well. So um, it's great to get that insight from you. And it's just, it's a nice side of the game that I think should be focused on more. So, uh, Oh, it's a horrible side of the game. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just getting the, the, the good times Jesus they, they'll drive you absolutely nuts trying to get mares and foal and they won't go on foal and getting hurt and all oh, stuff they, they drive you bananas but um, it, sure it's like I suppose it's like being being a trainer you know mo- most of the time you go to the track you come home disappointed but um, you've, you've got even longer um, weights in, in between drinks I suppose as a small breeder but mm-hmm. when it goes right you, you know you have to enjoy it and indulge in it a bit because you don't get you certainly get a lot more um, days when things like this don't happen than when they do and um, you know I'm just looking out the window now and his, his half sister is, is out there I'm going to bring her in now in a few minutes a, a yearling half sister and by good to fan and she has an acclimation cold beside her at the minute and she's been covered by Star Spangled Banner like so it's just it's that's the beauty of, of, of you know, I'm sure there's big satisfaction in pin hooking and buying a foal and selling as a yearling and watching it going on. But like for me, the ultimate satisfaction is, is, is in breeding because when you, when it works and all being well, the mare is still alive and producing and, and healthy and everything else, you've got the, the promise of more to come and, and you reap the benefits of, of the success of, of the ones that have come before. So and there's an awful lot to look forward to with her. I think she's only she's only 13, you know, so she should have. She's a really she's she's never given a day's worry at all, really. So she all been well now and touched in every lump of wood in sight. Now there should be a fair few years left in her yet now, but um, she she's the queen of this place and always will be. I think. Good man, Kevin Blake. And on that note. We will wrap up this week's edition of the Final Forum Podcast. Uh, thanks so much again for all the kind words on social media. Kevin, congratulations with the success and uh, may he roll on to more success for years to come and indeed for the mayor as well. Uh, give us the mayor's name again. Uh, Midnight Oasis. For those of you who want to check her out, uh, she has produced some real good ones, including George Bone, who is going to win a race this season. More on that and Final Forum Podcast to come. <laughs> Uh, we are done. Thanks so much for listening. We'll chat to you again very, very soon on AtTheRaces.com. Take care. God bless. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit AtTheRaces.com forward slash app for more details. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. 
we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.